0: Hey, it's Jan from Toyota, reminding you that Toyotathon is on and here to help make your holidays extra magical. How? Maybe it's driving in a Tacoma in search of the perfect hill to sled down. (laughs) Popping from store to store in a Prius to find the perfect gift. You did it. How'd you know? Or it could be something much more simple. Like surprising loved ones in a RAV4 hybrid.
1: You made it! Bobby!
0: (laughs) You're all grown up! And seeing their faces light up when you pull up to their home. Stop by Toyotathon and make this holiday one to remember. It's the perfect opportunity to gather with your friends and family, both near and far. Dealer inventory may vary. Current offers on these vehicles end November 30th. Offers are subject to change throughout Toyotathon, which ends on January 3rd. See your participating Toyota dealer for details. Toyota. Let's go places.
2: Welcome to Belly Up Fantasy Live.
3: Now for your hosts, Chris, Dan, Tom, Houston, and Zach. There we go. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Belly Up Fantasy Live. I'm your host, Chris Pinto. With me tonight, man, we got a packed house. First and foremost, we got the good old boys. We got Kevin, Derek, and Alex with us. Uh, Thanks, guys, for joining us. How are y'all doing?
4: Man, I don't think we could be any better. Some nights spent with uh, with some belly up and and the fan- and talking fantasy football. How, how does life get better than that?
3: You know, it really doesn't on my end, but I think Ryan, Billy, and Tom probably have a better aspect. They've been talking to me for 17 weeks. This is our 17th week in a row. Um, guys, what are
5: y'all thinking about? How are y'all doing?
3: Good, man.
2: Can't complain. We're only getting closer and closer to football here.
5: Real deal Ryan Hicks is back. If you haven't seen his projections, check those out there you Woo. go yeah billy while
3: i'm sharing yeah. this to our share groups man just kind of give us an uh an overview of how everything's going with the belly up bowl right now uh derek and them just told me that they just took one of my guys tyrod in uh in the belly up bowl
5: so how are we doing on that They're looking good uh, all divisions i believe have finished their drafts up uh everybody's sitting pretty i think we're just waiting for football season to start i know i'm excited a lot of buzz in my division. We got a few people that know each other uh, indirectly, made a connection. So that's been a lot of fun in my chat. And I know a few others have been pretty live too. So uh, just waiting for kickoff.
6: Bow division.
5: Yeah, Lawrence Phillips division here. So uh, where are the good old boys at? Where you got? What division are you guys in? Well, we're
4: uh, all three of us were on a singular team. Nice. So, um, what division were we in?
1: Saint Jude.
4: Yeah, the Tony Mandritz uh, division. There we go.
1: Yeah. No, it was. Oh, there we go. Sorry. Y'all are good. Y'all are good. <laughs> the full description does not appear on my we small a bit, cellular device. All
3: these different things, but the name, like, it's so difficult just to see what division you're in unless it's just the name of the whole thing. Right. So, I was like, man, I just want to see Money on mine, and I, I can't see it. So, you know, a little disappointed, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, Scott, thanks for tuning in. Tom, how are you doing, man? I know you're keeping up with current events right now and seeing everything that's coming out from all these live camps right now.
2: You know, I can't – I'm just excited. We got hard knocks back. It's a little depressing because we don't have any preseason games to watch on it this year. So, like, week one we're getting cuts, and it's a little crazy. But, I mean, it's – I'm just glad. I'm just glad, man. I've missed this for so long, you guys know football is my baby, and I've been waiting for this for feels like forever.
3: Well, guys, I'm glad to have y'all on here. Um, let's get on with the show. But before we kick off, man, I want to give a special shout out to a special friend. Uh, Chris Robin introduced him to me. His name's Jonathan. He had a thirty fourth birth, birthday yesterday. Uh, he loves Michigan. Go Blue! Um, and Dude is a baller at softball, man. I mean, bats, I think Chris told me a 365. So special shout out to Jonathan. Uh, thanks, man. We really appreciate you. Thanks for watching and tuning in. And I'll promise to keep the cursing to a minimum tonight. So you have a good one. Thank you so much.
7: <laughs> Chris has a special
3: friend. Ryan, let's move on to, you know, this is the part two of my guys. We had this during week four. I don't believe you were with us. Uh, And I don't believe Billy was with us either. Um, So this is part two of our segment of my guys leading up with all these drafts coming on, uh, ADP changing, home drafts kicking off. Let's talk about this monster in Green Bay, a 6'4", 251-pound guy who is drafted at 3.11 from Texas A&M University. Go SEC. Go Ags. Gig'em, baby. He has a 4 7 and he should have been the John Mackey Award winner. Uh, I'm sorry, Billy. TJ Hawkinson had nothing on this guy's stats his senior year, or his junior year. I'm sorry. But, Ryan, let's talk about good old Jace, man.
6: Yeah, man. Uh, the thing is, a lot of the drafts I'm in, he's not even going. And I'm like, what are you go- – I'll take him as my last round pick all day, every day, because here's the thing. The tight end at Green Bay is not a bad place to be the tight end at, especially with Aaron Rodgers coming in with a chip on his shoulder from them drafting Jordan Love. Uh, There isn't – I mean, what, Lazard? I'm kind of high on Lazard, but they didn't do anything directly to address the receiving core. What they did was they let Jay Sternberger take over tight end. And I think that says volumes that they have better confidence in the tight end. And then I don't – like. He's going to be a top 15 tight end is what I'm saying. I'm not saying top three, okay? That's not what I'm projecting here. What I'm saying is Sternberger at his ADP and where he's getting taken, that's ridiculous value. He could be an excellent tight end depth guy, and I think he has tight end one upside, but I'm not confident enough in projecting that. But I do see Sternberger being a guy that why is he slipping so much? He shouldn't be slipping that much. He should be going he should be somebody's tight end depth at the very least. And I do get – and in Dynasty, let's just – Dynasty is a whole other ballgame. He's a top 10 tight end in Dynasty in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I guess the only thing I could say is I don't remember Aaron Rodgers ever putting up a like a fabulous tight end uh, in fantasy. Maybe I'm wrong. Jermichael but
6: Finley was good at one point. Okay, are we talking tight end ones here?
3: No. I mean, at I least tight end.
6: four. Five. Richard Rodgers had a bunch of TDs. Jimmy Graham – was not, he was serviceable last year, and Jimmy Graham was a shell of what he used to be. Jay Sternberger is not a shell of what he used to be. He is what he is, which is a red zone dominant, sure handed mismatch for whoever's going to be on him because you know they're probably going to double Devontae. Uh, Lazard's going to get single covered. So who's going to be on Sternberger? A linebacker? Good luck. Good luck with that.
3: Kevin, would you
1: like to add anything to that? Because I know Billy wants to. You know, I, Sternberger, I think part of the reason his stats were so electric in college is because, well, AM's always getting their butt kicked in the SEC West, so they got to throw it to somebody. Now, sorry, that was my shot on the Aggies. I work with a ton of Aggies. That was my shot. So here, here's the thing about Sternberger. I love it. Sternberger has the speed for separation and he does create mismatches, but I really do worry about Rogers Rogers perpetually. That's just not his game, right? Rogers knows who he likes and who he's comfortable with. So Sternberger and Rogers don't get that instant rapport here in camp. You're, you're just not going to see that production this year out of Sternberger dynasty wise. I think you're right. The kid has a lot of potential, especially as he continues to go through all these practice sessions, work with Rogers and love going forward. I am so down on all rookies this year because of the lack of preseason games, the ra- no rookie minicamp, they're doing Zoom meetings, they're not really getting true whiteboard work in, that I just think their, their learning curve is going to be so steep that I'm not trusting any rookies in a redraft this year. I really am fading all of them.
3: Guys, and Scott, everyone who's watching, Marco, y'all are watching this. Kevin has preached that. When I did a little guest spot on there, they were preaching that, and I believe it, man. It's so true. I mean, and we even see it on hard knocks. It's all Zoom meetings. It's all, you know, what's going on, guys? How are you doing? How, and, you know, talking about face shields and stuff like that. There's no hitting yet. So we're seeing a lot of that right now and a lot of uh, injuries coming out too. So, Danny, I guess real quick, before we move on to the next side, you want to answer that question on who is better, Jace or TJ.
5: I'll take TJ all day, <laughs> but a uh, home, home guy bias, I guess, for me there. No, I'll take him too. <laughs> Kevin, you were so electric, man, with that analysis. Let's keep it moving on
3: to you, man. And one of your guys that you let us know was Paris Campbell. Um, We've had a lot of hype about Michael Pittman Jr. in that offense, right? But there's not a lot of talk going on this guy. What can you give us on him?
1: So, Paris Campbell coming out um, was going to be kind of their slot guy, right? The guy got riddled with injuries last year. He had a broken foot, fractured hand, uh had hamstring issues. Only got 7 games in last year uh through the litany of injuries. So he had a really down rookie season. Um I think this is where you're going to see some of that value and you're going to see him creep up into that slot. Yes, Pittman's going to be on the outside. You're going to have TY on the other side, but this gives Rivers a full arsenal with arguably the best offensive line in the NFL right now. So the Indianapolis Colts are in, a, are in a really good position where people thought that they kind of had to, to – a lot of people thought they had to retool. Well, hell, they're going to win the AFC South. There is no team in their way. It ain't Tennessee. It ain't the Houston Texans. And it surely ain't Jacksonville. The Indianapolis Colts have a clear path to the playoffs, and it's not even close in that division, guys. So Paris Campbell is going to be lining up in the slot more and more this season. You're going to see Pittman and T.Y. outside. The good thing about those guys is all three can go inside or outside. So you are going to see a lot of different mismatches. You're going to see him fill in um, for a little bit of a Debo type role. He's a little bit, he's faster than TY or Pittman. So you'll see him on some end arounds. You'll see him on, you know, some gadgetry plays type deal. And here's the deal. He's faster than McLaurin guys. Look at the combine wow. stats. He's faster than Terry McLaurin, who everybody wants the dub as the next Tyreek Hill. McLaurin couldn't stay in – he couldn't stay relevant at Ohio State. Paris Campbell dominated that Ohio State team. And, yes, there's a difference between the college and the pros, but don't sleep on that because he had a down rookie year. The guy has great hands. Once he stays healthy and starts getting the swing of things, you will see him dominate. He will end up number two in receptions on that team. Again, fading – I love Michael Pittman. He is by far and away my the guy I've hammered hardest on my dynasty drafts. But this season, Campbell is going to have the leg up. He's just a little bit more familiar with the NFL game. And playing in the slot, he's not going to get jammed. He's going to have a lot of free releases. And he's going to be able to be that release valve for uh, Phillip Rivers when the pressure does get to him. So, I expect a lot out of Paris Campbell. I don't think he's gonna to get to wide receiver two territory, but I think he's gonna be a really strong flex option for your team and a guy that you can get, you know, thirteenth round, maybe twelfth round, depending on the draft. But but if I don't like the options, heck, I'll pick him early. I'll pick him the tenth or eleventh if I need some receiver depth and I want the upside because that's a guy who can get it for me.
3: That's fair. We'll have to agree to disagree on the AFC South. Who's going to win all that? Because my boys, boy, I'm just saying, they're looking good this year. But Billy, I know that we had one of our writers, uh, Jamil, come out with his pred- bold prediction on Paris Campbell as well. It was a lot. It was very similar to what Kevin was saying. Um, is this a guy that I'm sleeping on as well? What do you think? Because I have zero exposure to this kid.
5: Yeah, Paris Campbell. I mean, ridiculous talent. I was really excited for him coming out, coming to Indianapolis. He just filled a void that the Colts have had for quite some time. But like Kevin said, he's got to stay healthy. But you know, also to Kevin's other point, with the the no mini camp, the no OTAs, everything over Zoom meetings. Uh, you know, I think it, that kind of holds Michael Pittman's potential back from from stealing that role from Pittman or from uh, uh, Campbell there, but. Uh, I like him in the slot moving around. I think they're going to do a lot of things. My one question is, uh, you know, how much is he going to play if they go two tight ends and, and two wide receiver sets? Because, you know, they're going to focus on the run game this year a lot. They got four four good tight ends on the roster. It just seems like that might be a little bit of focus this year. So uh, hopefully Campbell, you know, playing on the outside, maybe he plays over Pittman in, in situations on the outside. But I'm interested to see the wide receiver shake up uh, when we get into the season for the Colts for sure.
3: Yeah, for sure. Kevin, thanks so much for that analysis. Let's move on to one of your co hosts, man, Derek. Let's talk about a Colorado State kid in Preston Williams. So, I guess this hits a little home for you. So, let me know what you got in Preston Williams. Ryan's super high on him. I know the dude's like, a, I wouldn't even say a mini DK Metcalf because both the dudes are just so yoked. So, I mean, what can this dude offer us?
4: So, Preston Williams is a guy I'm really big on, right? Like you said he he came from CSU. Uh, that's kind of right right in our backyard. Um most of us here in the good old boys are are from Colorado. So, um one of those that we got to kind of see this guy uh growing up there a little bit and and how he uh performed in college there. Now, he is a very big body type of guy. 6'4" 211, kind of that prototypical wide receiver one territory. You look at some of the anecdotal type of stuff where some of the cornerbacks down there in Miami, when they were covering him last year as an undrafted rookie, were saying that he's got wide receiver one potential in this league. Now, forward that into part of this past year where You were looking at both him and Devontae Parker sharing wide receiver reps and going through that. Devontae Parker was not necessarily the first read through, through the first part of that year. He didn't really start shining until Preston Williams went down and that's where you started seeing Gasicki, you started seeing Devontae Parker really starting to step up and shine with the absence of Preston Williams. Now, Preston Williams coming off that ACL injury, you know, ACLs aren't like they used to be for an NFL player. Um, I see him maybe getting a little bit of a slow start, uh, do that injury and just really getting confident on that. But over the back half of the season, when you're really going to be relying on a guy to you know, step up and help lead you to your championship. This is a guy that can do that right now. He's, uh, I believe ADP has him wide receiver 53 right now. And he's going to finish well above that. Um, Yeah, I know that Kevin and Alex aren't necessarily as high on this guy as I am, but uh, I easily see him finishing as a top 30 wide receiver this year. And for where you're going to draft him, that can be a difference maker. And he can win you a week down the stretch. And as you start heading down towards your playoffs and um, really start getting into that championship week. So he's a guy that can high point a ball, runs a great route. And I think that uh, you're going to be very, very happy drafting this guy because he's not going to cost you a lot of capital, and I think he's going to way outperform his ADP this year.
3: You know, I totally agree with that because I was listening to my brother Ryan Hicks on this and going as running back heavy, like I mentioned on y'all's show, how I, I like to go. This guy is perfect for going running back heavy. Ryan, what can you add of this? Because I know you've got a, a brain full of stats on this kid.
6: Yeah, I mean, I'm really high on Preston Williams. I'm a little less than you because I am also high on Parker and Josecki. I just think that that's a loaded receiving core this year, and uh, depending, I'm I'm so torn on how long Fitzpatrick's going to be the guy there and when they give Tua the shot to start. But uh, Preston Williams is the only reason he went undrafted is because of his attitude. It had nothing to do with his skills or uh, ability. He had. Uh, they call them character flaws in the pre-draft situation, but that's why he didn't get drafted. He's naturally gifted. I mean, he has at third-round draft material is what he was coming out, and there was character issues because he had off-the-field concerns, and we haven't really seen that in the NFL. So to me, that's a great sign. And I think, again, like you said, he's getting undervalued, and I think that Parker and Jaceki can help him, especially considering Miami's probably going to be behind a lot. They're going to have to throw, and I want all three of
3: those guys this year. Well, we'll see if they'll have to throw too much when we talk about one of these running backs that we've got is one of my guys later. But, Billy, let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders, a guy at SMU, drafted in the second round in 2010. Uh, his ADP right now is around the ninth round. He runs a 4-4-40, so he still has that breakaway speed. Is, this is probably one of the best landing spots for Sanders as well in New Orleans As in my mind, Michael Thomas – didn't have a – you know, or Drew Brees didn't have a number two guy really to go to. I mean, Cook had flashes. Kamara was a shell of himself last year, but hopefully he picks it up this year. But what do you think about Emmanuel Sanders, and could he be one of the breakaway guys this year for you?
5: As far as a guy with, you know, going to a new place, new face, new place in New Orleans, uh, I couldn't be happier for a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. This is a perfect spot for him to be opposite Michael Thomas – They've got other weapons where he can sit out on the edge and, and just do what he does. That's run good routes and execute. He had 97 targets last year, regardless of, of being traded from, from Denver to San Francisco. And, and just a model of consistency coming off uh, an Achilles tear at 31 or 2 years old. So, I mean, just, just a testament to his work ethic. And in New Orleans, he'll fit great. Ted Ginn, Latavius Murray, and Traquan Smith, there's 124 targets up, to grabs, up for grabs. And I think Emmanuel takes... A strong amount of those jared cook's gonna have 60 70 targets still Uh, i just think that uh you know emmanuel in that spot great spot for him really excited for the saints though and i I think he could be a great pick for for guys like us that are loading up on running backs early trying to find quality consistent wide receivers down the stretch that we can play week in and week out and know what we're going to get emmanuel is going to be that guy in new orleans for you
3: yeah like you mentioned like guys we just need to get guys that have volume when you're going so running back heavy Last season, he had 77 average offensive snaps, and he had seven games of over 90% of the offensive snaps. So the guy can play, he can ball. Always got to give a little bit more juice to the Texas guys, right, Ryan? Uh, but, Alex, I see you up there nodding your head. Agreeing with Billy on a lot of this, Is do you agree with – I guess do you agree with him on most of this Emmanuel Sanders stuff?
7: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Emmanuel Sanders. If I can get him uh, in the drafts, so I'm, I'm, I'm there for it because I, I think opposite of Michael Thomas – and with how pass happy uh, the Saints are going to be this year, and Drew's final year, um, I just think that, that the ball's going to get thrown around a lot. And sure, you know, the running backs will get theirs, and Kamara will get his, and Thomas will get his. But Emmanuel Sanders is going to be a nice addition to that offense, and and he's going to be a guy that I, honestly, I think he will, he will steal some leagues this year with with the production that he's able to to put out.
3: I'm really hoping that all of you guys are right because I got a lot of shares of Emmanuel Sanders, um, and I don't disagree with any of that, so I'm loving that. But let's talk about a guy that maybe me and you disagree on, Tom. Uh, I'm sure Marco will disagree on just because he doesn't like you you and your Eagles uh, for no other reason than that. But Fizz, man. LSJ, this guy runs angry. He has raw talent. I mean, he's 6'1, 227. Obviously, I'm going to come to you guys after Tom Gibbs' analysis, because this is a guy's out of Colorado. I mean, has a 4'5-840. He had his surgery and recovered so quickly. I mean, the dude is unreal. I mean, he he plays angry when you watch him. And that's what I guess they're kind of building in Jacksonville, that mentality. And they could be a contender in a couple of years. Um not definitely not this year because the Texans are winning. It sorry, Kevin. Sorry, Tom. But we'll move on from that. So, Tom, what do you got on Biz? I'll
2: tell you what, Walska Chenault, You know, you nailed it. This is a team that they are starting to play with heart. You know, you look at the way Gardner Minshew plays. That's what he plays with. It's that's his thing. Visca Chenault, very similar, right? He's going to play with heart. He's going to like. He's he might not be the fastest receiver. He might not have the surest hands out of every receiving the NFL. But he he's plenty fast can catch a ball just fine. He's going to play harder than anybody else, though. Um, I mean, this is a guy that he's a wide receiver 83 is what I'm seeing him at. And albeit, this is all kind of contingent on him being healthy, right? That it has been a slight concern for him in the past,
0: but...
7: This holiday, whether you're making
2: a Baker's Simple Truth turkey for 40 or a Murray's baked brie for two, Bakers has fast fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital
1: coupons and use them up to 5 times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Bakers, fresh
0: for everyone
2: they've already talked about This is a guy that's going to be playing wide receiver. They're going to put him in the backfield at running back. He's going to play in the wildcat. So you're going to see some, some shares of the, you know, the ball for him. Um, I mean, he's a great route runner. He gets separation. Gardner Minshew, probably the best play action quarterback last year, statistically. So if you're able to utilize that, you know, you do have Leonard Fournette in the backfield, which is a positive for that. Um, You know, it's going to open up Laird Fournette's running lanes, but it's also going to allow, you know, if you have a guy like Chenault out there getting separation on these longer routes, you know, Gardner's able to get you a couple seconds out there to let it develop. Chenault can get separation, and then his run after catch is incredible. So if if he's able to get the ball out, he's going to get yardage. Um, I mean, I'm not saying this is going to be a guy that's going to be a top 10 receiver or anything like that, but I think wide receiver 83 little bit of an insult almost. Uh, I know, obviously, rookies we talked about, you know, fading those, just not really being sure exactly uh, how well they'll develop. But I think that even with uh, a slightly crowded uh, wide receiver room, I don't think Chris uh, Conley or Keenan Cole are really going to impact him that much. The only guy that's going to be over him is DJ Chark and maybe – or D.D. Westbrook. Uh, That'll probably kind of develop throughout the year. I think Chenault will take over from Westbrook as the two-guy.
6: Me too. <laughs> you know,
3: I see Ryan and Kevin both agreeing with you on the on the sweetie deedy, but I really want to hear what Derek has to say real quick because I know you probably watched this kid play in college a lot more than I have, and the little bit of film I watched, I was very impressed. Could the, could this guy be the number two guy opposite the SEC great DJ Chark?
4: I'm gonna say no. I I don't think so. Now. Keep in mind, I'm a little biased because D.D. Westbrook is an Oklahoma guy, and that's that's my team right there. But that all of that being said, right, like you look at, at Leviscus when he was at Colorado, and, yes, the film looked impressive um, for the highlights and what you could clip and, and that kind of stuff, but there was times he disappeared in games. Like there was times that he would kind of disappear, and um, he's got a little bit of an injury risk with him. He, he was the guy that had a harder time staying healthy. You kind of couple all all of that with the fact that now you look at the Pac-12 as a whole, the Pac-12 is not known as a defensive conference. So you have a guy that had a t- had a harder time. You know, at times disappeared. Could you know had a harder time staying healthy. I'm I'm out on this guy because I think that he will get buried in the depth chart. Maybe maybe year two, maybe year three, we start seeing a breakout in him being used more as an offensive type of weapon than necessarily receiver. But I don't necessarily see him breaking in on your know, Leonard for They've got a one year deal left on him. They're going to use and abuse and, and you know, just run the wheels off of him. DJ Chark was a guy I almost went with as a, my guy on this one. He's sure. super fast can stretch the field. Like he can do amazing things. And then you got DD Westbrook that it the, the guy is still going to be a uh, 100 target guy and going to produce so it, he's fighting for that third spot for me
3: that's fair alex i mean Didi's your guy you're out on this
7: no i'm not i'm not Didi's not my guy i'm out on this for an opposite reason that Derek, uh, I hate the Colorado Buffaloes. That's, I'm just putting that out there. I do not like them. I'm from Colorado. My sister is a graduate of the university of Colorado. I hate Colorado Buffaloes. Uh,
0: they yeah, my girlfriend it, is baby. an Aggie.
7: Um, I'm okay with the Aggies for now until they beat my team, <laughs> but, uh, which will never happen. Uh, oh, because my, you know, my team won't play them. They, they won't schedule my team. <laughs> uh, um, anyways, so the reason why I, I'm not big on, on LaVisca Chanel is for two reasons. One, the, the Colorado offense is, um, how should I put this, hot garbage. They are terrible, right? The like, like Colorado offense, in a league where offense reigns supreme, Colorado cannot figure it out. And LaVisca Chanel, to Derek's point, would disappear from games at times. And, and to me, what is telling about LaVisca Chanel? was his sophomore year was when people didn't really know about him, and that's when he went bananas, right? He had 1,000 yards receiving. He had six touchdowns. You know, that was, you know, he his breakout onto the scene. His junior year when defenses, which don't happen in the Pac-12, there's I don't know if you could say there's a good defense in the Pac-12 because there isn't, that's when – those defenses started keying in on LaVisca Chanel, and all of a sudden those numbers dropped, right? He's got nothing. He's got four touchdowns He in more games, no less, in his junior year. He played 11 games, two more games than he did his sophomore year. He's only got 764 yards and four touchdowns. I I am out on LaVisca Chanel. A, because I don't like the Buffaloes, and B, I don't trust anybody who's throwing the football down there in Jacksonville. I know Gardner Minshew's, uh, you know, a great story but great stories don't win fantasy football championships so i'm out on the Visca
2: hey man stats will tell you if you run the uh if you run play action he's the best quarterback in the league 2019
3: talking Vizca, ships, we're talking about ships
6: this guy's gonna be the wide receiver too by the end of the year and he's gonna finish as a top 50 receiver
7: Who's throwing the football down there? Gardner Minshew. <laughs> did they suddenly get Drew Brees down in Jacksonville? <laughs> what is going on? Is Gardner, who's also actually one of the best deep ball passers in the league.
4: Yeah, if you have- all those deep balls going to uh, go into DJ Chark. Well, he we can't catch thirty touchdowns though.
2: Yeah, somebody else has to get the touches, man.
4: You think Jacksonville scored thirty touchdowns all
6: year? How many did <laughs> Minshew throw for last year? Twenty-four in twelve games. So yeah, I think. 36 would be – or 32 would be 16 games. Now, I don't think he's going to throw 32 touchdowns, but if he played 16 games in 20, uh, 2019, he would have thrown 32 touchdowns at his current pace.
4: And the defense was far better down there in Jacksonville last year than it will be this year. So, so he's going to, he's going to, to have – a from Wait,
2: behind and He's going to be throwing even they're
4: more. more. True, true but you know, they're, when they're going to be starting way, way back there on their own uh, on their own yard line, I, I don't know that he's going to be able to move the ball that really far every drive. It could be a I pro. Know,
3: a lot of us are forgetting about DD, guys. Like, uh,
4: Don't sleep on DD. <laughs> I'm saying, bro, I'm going to have to
3: agree with my guys over here, Alex, Kevin, and Derek on this. One, because rookies. Come on. Rookies. rookies. We got to be. The big be- is wowing
0: everybody
6: in camp right now. Coaches and players
7: are good. Cool. Out. Good practice guy. Awesome <laughs> practice guy. Yeah. Okay.
0: You okay. okay. might have to have a little board
3: bed or something. D versus Viz, man. And I'm gonna go with DD on this one just because he's got the experience. He's a veteran of the league. He knows how Gardner plays. He played with them last year. But I can definitely see the, the case for Viz just
5: because of the athlete he is. Yes, Billy. One thing, Colin. Be the guy Colin
3: breaker.
5: Johnson, six foot six Texas wide receiver. Oh get out of here. I want to I, to right don't, don't forget about him. He can ball too. So uh I I think uh LaVisca and him they could they could be competing for that same role. By the way, twenty one touchdowns for Gardner
7: last year. Twenty one in fourteen games, twelve starts.
6: Oh, excuse me, did I say twenty four? I meant twenty one. Thank you. I'm sorry, I just did all the You're
7: projections. Good. There you <laughs> go. You're good. You're good.
3: Holly Ryan. I know, you know what? My bad. How many touchdowns this guy scored last year? I believe it was two. But Mike Williams, a 6'4", 220 guy, out of Clemson University, drafted in the first round, a 4 40 His current ADP is crazy in the 14th round right now. He played 85% of offensive snaps. He has a new quarterback this year that we'll talk about at the end of the uh, show. But the guy finished wide receiver 34 last year, only two touchdowns. But he wowed a lot of people because, with Phillip Rivers, he had over a 1,000 yards, getting 20 yards a rip. So this is, I mean, ridiculous, right? Yeah. So obviously this is one of your guys above his ADP, and what can you give me on him because I own him in a couple leagues because of you?
6: Yeah, Mike Williams, uh, in almost every single category, I mean, there are like two or three exceptions, Mike Williams got better every year of his career. I mean, his first year was terrible, obviously, because of injury. And I just thought he was a bi- – I honestly had given up on him that year. And then in 2018, he came out and had 10 touchdowns on 43 catches. And I was like, whoa, that's a red zone threat. Let's see what he does. Comes back in 2019, he scores twice, right? But he has 1,001 yards on 49 catches.
0: Like –
6: Again, 20.4 yards per reception. And I think Rivers, it wasn't actually all Rivers because I am kind of high on Rivers in Indy because he has an elite line. That line was so bad that Rivers couldn't really do much with Mike Williams. And Tyron, at the very least, is going to be mobile enough to extend plays. Uh, Herbert has got the same skill. Don't touch it's it. I'm touch long is, long. Rivers is a statue back there. If you can get a guy back there that can avoid a sack – and if they can establish the run game, I honestly, my projections have Mike Williams in certain, in a standard formats, not in the PPR formats, passing Keenan Allen. I think he outscores him touchdown wise. I think Allen's going to have more catches than he is just cause that's the kind of guy he is. But Allen has never been a touchdown guy. Mike Williams has more touchdowns in his short career in that one year with 10. Allen has never had 10. I think he's had eight, although that's the top of my head too. He's never been a big red zone guy. He's been a high volume catch guy. That's why he's so valuable in PPR and stuff, but in a standard league. And I think Mike gets pretty close to him in PPR leagues as well, because he's younger. He's bigger. He's faster. He's stronger. He's the guy that I'm looking at as far as dynasty. I would trade Mike Williams for Keenan Allen straight up right now. And in a redraft, I would not do that because again, PPR is crazy for Allen. He's going to get his targets. But I am – I'm so high on 20.4 yards per catch. Uh, I'm so high on the fact that two TDs could not happen. That's that's ridiculous. We were just talking about Jacksonville and Fournette with the weird – that was a weird TD uh, regression. Two touchdowns is not happening again, guys. At one point he was leading NFL history for most yards without a touchdown. I remember him and Robert Woods were going on this like historical journey in like week nine where neither one of them had scored and they were approaching 1,000 yards. I
3: don't think that's going to happen again. De- oh, Alex, was it you that were talking about Keenan Allen earlier? Or I know you got something to add. Yeah.
7: yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm big on Keenan Allen this year, and that's because of the quarterback. And I know we're going to talk about Tyrod Taylor, but I do not see 20.4 happening again. No, that's um, A, because that's, that's yeah, ridiculous. 20.4 is unbelievable, yeah. right? But B, uh, Tyrod Taylor doesn't throw the football more than 10 yards. So that's never going to happen. So um, we'll we'll talk about Tyrod later. But I, I like Keenan Allen because he's a short, short threat down there in, in Los Angeles.
1: For sure, I get it.
3: Derek, Kevin, y'all are down there snickering. What do you got?
1: I, I like Mike Williams. We actually got into it on our show when we were covering the Chargers. I like Mike Williams this year. I think yeah. he's – I think you're spot on. He's a great value pick. There's no way he only finishes with two touchdowns again. No, he may not finish at you know 20.4 yards per clip, but if he gets to 16.7 yards per clip and 60 receptions, and then you tack six or seven touchdowns on top of it, I don't know that 10's the answer, but six or seven surely is. Guys, that still falls right in. That falls right in line with the projections. That's a low-end wide receiver two. And depending on how the year shakes out, he's definitely a wide receiver three at that point. So I, I'm all aboard the Mike Williams train. Like I, I have zero issues with that whatsoever. And he is a guy that I'm definitely targeting mid mid rounds of the
4: draft. Me too. All good, Derek. Yeah, I'm, I, it was one that uh, when we were covering the uh, the Chargers on our show, you know, a few months back, I was uh, one of the big proponents going, "No, Mike Williams." Don't. I I have definitely warmed on this guy over the last few months, and and really kind of starting to you know dive into the projections and listening to Kevin pound the table for him. Um, I've definitely warmed on him. I I do think that Keenan Allen will still be the wide receiver one down there, and kind of be that safety blanket for whatever whoever's behind uh, you know center this year but uh, I do see Mike Williams having a far exceeding his ADP.
3: Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Like I said, I, I've warned up to him too, because uh, I'll, I would not touch him a couple of years ago. And now like Kevin has been beating on the table. Ryan has as well. And I own him in a, in a bunch of leagues. Uh, but Billy, let's move on forward and talk about a guy who has a lot of opportunity. And that's all you really need when you're talking about one of your my guys, right? When you go running back heavy like you do uh, so well. Uh, a guy that was drafted in the fourth round out of Duke University. He has an ADP in the tenth round right now. Uh super I'm mean, not super fast, but serviceable at a four-five uh, forty. but the big issue is Texas boy Robbie Anderson is now reunited with his coach, Matt Rule, and there's a hundred vacated targets. Where Jamison Crowder could just eat up. I mean, there was a couple games last year where it looked like Sam Darnold was only looking at Crowder, like he had eyes for this guy, like he had eyes for the girl who had mono last year. So, what do you, what do you know about Jamison Crowder? Uh,
5: definitely week, you know, coming in week one, you thought, wow, you know, this is going to be a connection uh, that's going to produce mega numbers, seventeen targets uh, that first week, but. It slowed back to reality, you know. Shortly after that, people started, you know, garden crowd a little different, playing them different. But uh, I think the big thing was when Donald missed those three weeks; they were they were playing well coming out the gate, and uh, missing that time, the, the production never picked up, the running game never came on, so the passing game kind of struggled last year for the Jets. Also, Donald's young, and, and we're kind of yet to see him really, uh, you know, reach his talent. But uh, the targets are there. He was wide receiver twenty six last year. I think people are down on him. He's going as wide receiver forty one in drafts kind of that same range as Emmanuel Sanders. And again, another guy who the targets are going to give him a a high floor for for us guys to chase running backs early and give us that consistency we need with those backs. But uh, I kind of feel like it's more of a thing, that role in that offense with Gase. You know, Jarvis Landry was about, uh, he averaged well over 100 targets, about 140 targets a year in Miami. And I feel like uh, Crowder's just in that role in New York. If they get some running game going, they're able to support it, play a little more honest. Crowder, I think, eats a big share of those vacated targets for the Jets this year. And I think he could easily be a wide receiver, too. He was just outside of that range last year, and they didn't really play all that well his first year in the system, leaving Washington. So uh, I I think everything's up for Crowder this year. I think he'll be a much higher redraft pick uh, in 2021 after what he'll do this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I like Crowder as my wide receiver three, possibly a wide receiver two if I'm real desperate. I mean, He was on the field for over 80% of the snaps last year, so he's one of the guys, maybe even the wide receiver one of the team, but, I mean, they invested capital in their offensive line. Hopefully it gets better. They got a guy in Frank Gore who's there that apparently Adam Gase loves, starts Frank Gore over Kenyon Drake in Miami for some reason. Hopefully that doesn't happen to Le'Veon Bell. Uh, That would be so terrible because we know how bad Adam Gase is, but that could happen. Tom, you got your five star notebook out yet, brother?
2: (laughs) You know, Marco doesn't even know my next guy is on the Jets. (laughs) So I already know where this is going.
3: (laughs) Uh, I'll get off of it on, you know, on Jamison Craig. Because I'm a fan of Jamison. So do do any of y'all think that he doesn't become the number one guy there and possibly help you win a league? There's two things. Mims could have a huge breakout. That's the only
6: guy I think that could overtake him. And I don't like you were saying earlier, Kevin, be having a rookie receiver. It's going to be hard for him to overtake him. He's got a safe floor. Yeah. The only thing is, I hate Gase so much that I hate yes. so Preach. much. pretty Hard time getting anybody from the Jets. Uh, it's just, I mean, he's got a safe floor. He really does. But I, can't, it's hard for me to get excited.
1: Brian, we could be friends, man. I like I like this guy. I like this guy. We agree a lot. Adam Gase I, I, I have you from what I can tell yet. Yeah, Adam Gase <laughs> is a fraud. He's a sham who's riding on the coattails of a Peyton Manning season. He's yeah. terrible. And has gotten two head coaching jobs because of it. Absolute fraud. Killed,
6: dude, he kills people's fantasy values so
4: bad. Yeah, <laughs> That's why Devontae Parker sucked. Oh, well, Ryan Tannehill had to go to Tennessee to take a backup job to be for some fantasy relevant again. Canyon Drake,
6: Canyon Drake. anybody remember that guy? He's a beast now. But Damian
5: wow, he sealed him. He just sealed your soul. Damian Williams should have been Super Bowl MVP. He was in that Miami backfield as well. Nothing. Yes, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> We've been pounding the table forever saying that Damian Williams should have been Super Bowl MVP. Oh man, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. ridiculous. Billy, i know john
3: june's gonna love this we'll have to tag him in this later but we did a little special on friday with a bunch of guys who were just around fancy community and john june's a big new york jets guy absolutely jets till he dies hates adam gase billy did you write that letter yet talking to adam gase what's that you write that
5: letter for john to adam gase yet? Yeah, I need to <laughs> we're blaming his headphone malfunction on adam gase that's how bad it got last week <laughs> I heard a dirty
1: rumor that the only reason C.J. Mosley opted out of this season is because he didn't want to play for Gase.
6: Dude, I'm that wouldn't be he's gone. He's gone at the
5: end of the year. There's no way. This Jets team should not be this bad. I mean, they have no. so pieces. They should not be this terrible. No,
6: I mean Jamal Adams literally like forced his way out of there, and I don't blame him one
3: bit. No. Well, talking about the Jets as we are and how bad Adam Gase is, Tom, let's talk about Le'Veon Bell. I mean, the only running back since 2008 to repeat his RB1 has his worst year at the New York Jets last year. And I know they had a lot of issues with their personnel, with their offensive line, with their young quarterback contracting monobies and kissing underage girls at beer pong tables and such like that. But – this guy is a talent. He's a unique talent. The volume that he got as well was so crazy. I mean, he was the eighth most in touches last year. And this year they did spend some capital on, an offensive lo- on some offensive line to help that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully with Jamison Crowder being there, eating up some of those targets, this guy can help as long as Frank Gore and P Ryan don't eat too much into his workload. But his workload was a lot because last year he had two games at a hundred percent of offensive snaps. So a little bit less than that. I'll take that all day with Le'Veon.
2: Yeah. I mean, like you said, one of the highest in total touches, 311 total touches last year. That's insane. I mean, you can't expect a guy to have 300 plus touches every single year without some kind of attrition. Um, But you know, we all know what he's capable of. He was one of the best running backs in the league for, you know, what, three or four years in a row, you know, more or less, he got hurt 2015, but uh, you know, barring that injury four years in a row is a, you know, top running back. I'm not going to say he's going to be an RB one this year. Uh, Could, you know, I think ceiling is, is low end RB one safer bet is a high end RB two, but even if Frank Gore and uh, the rookie, uh, he just Ryan. yeah, Perine. If they do eat into that 311 touches a little bit, you know you have to anticipate with a better offensive line. It's upgraded a little bit, uh, as well as actually having a quarterback, even if he you know is one that kisses underage girls at beer pong tables, like you said, Chris. Yeah, that's you know,
3: speculation. I don't know that for 100 percent true.
2: So. Yeah, I mean, don't I mean, having, having Sam Darnold playing, even if he's not a great quarterback, it's going to be better than Luke Falk. And Trevor Simeon, right? So having some sort of quarterback play is going to benefit your running back who doesn't have to be on the field 100% of snaps and touching the ball every time because there's nobody else you can possibly give the ball to. So, I mean, personally, I anticipate his, his yards per carry going up from his 3.2 yards per attempt last year. Uh, you know, probably closer to where it was previously in that four to four and a half yards per carry range. Might not quite get that high, but around four yards per carry, I think. Um, and then he can also catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, last year he had, what, about 700 yards uh, receiving, I believe. Um, or no, it wasn't that high. What yeah, was it?
3: 1250 combined. So yeah, it's 1250 combined. High
0: Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
2: Yeah, 789 uh, rushing, 461 receiving. My bad, so a little go. off here. Again, pretty crap quarterback play, but um, I mean, I think he's good for another 1,200, 1,300 uh, all-purpose yards at the low end. So I think quarterback, or excuse me, running back 19, running back 20, a little bit low. I think he's more in the range of, uh, you know, 13, 14, 15, you know, bump him up a little bit there above some of the guys that are, that are right above him
3: right now. Sure. I mean, his ADP is around the third round, but – you know, I forgot how passionate you guys were about Adam Gase. This he guy did I took last year at the 1.09 spot because I was a, I'm a Le'Veon truther. I took him this year in a lot of leagues in the second and third round above his ADP. I know I'm crazy, but, you know, it's, I love a comeback story. But you guys, I mean, Adam Gase is terrible. You're right. What do you expect from on this year? And please be gentle.
1: I expect in a standard league, you need to stay away. Damn it! That's Sorry,
3: fair. Jonathan, I
1: curse. I think a lot of Lev Bell's value is going to become from trailing, right? The Jets just aren't very good. Adam Gase, for whatever reason, cannot put a offensive game plan together. For a team that does have some talent, yes, Chris Herndon's been hurt. We're hoping he stays healthy as kind of a deep sleeper tight end. You have Jamison Crowder. You have Mims. You have Lev Bell. And he's, you know, for Crowder and Bell together and Darnold when he was healthy. And you just, the offense just constantly stalled, guys. It had no flow to it. No rhythm. So Lev Bell's, a lot of his points came because of his PPR value. And, I don't know that that changes a whole lot this year because I don't see the Jets leading in too many games this season. So if they're constantly playing catch-up, yeah, you'll get your value out of Lev Bell because he's going to be catching, you know, 60 balls plus out of the backfield because they're going to have to play catch-up and Darnold will, you know, uh, dink and dunk a little bit, right? Uh, but in the standard league, I I am fading Lev Bell and, and going for some more attractive options.
2: Mm-hmm. That is fair. I'm considering PPR here. That that should be clarified. I kind of look at these in a PPR sense. That's kind of just, you know.
6: Like I, have a display. Display. I have him 17 in PPR. and I mean, 17 in standard and 15 in PPR. I have him having about 309 total touches, 228 rushes, 81, uh, 59 catches, nine total touchdowns. 117.8 points in a half point PPR league. I just, he's a good RB2 for me. I'm happy getting him at RB2. And I think he has like low end RB1 upside. But I also think he has RB3 floor. I don't see another back coming out and taking the job from him. But the Jets could just suck again.
5: To me, with Flavion Bell, I just never really liked the fit in New York from the second, from the get go. I just did not like that fit. And you were forgetting about Brashad Perryman. So, that offense really has no one that scares you a whole lot to pull double coverage and and keeps them from really kind of keying down and preventing Le'Veon Bell from killing you. So uh, the Jets, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough offense to watch from time to time. For me, really Crowder might be the only guy you want that's in PPR because that target shared that slot guy in that system. Otherwise, for me, uh, I, there, there's other guys in those ranges that that I like uh, feel a little bit better about.
3: Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk about a couple of those guys here in a little bit. But you know what? Screw you, Le'Veon Bell haters. I'm going with Le'Veon and John June on his train. But, Ryan, let's talk about a guy who's 5'11", 222, drafted in the seventh round, like, you know, out of nowhere from Oklahoma State. His ADP this year is in the third round in the NFL. He has a 4540 40. We've seen the workload this guy can handle as long as he stays healthy, doesn't fumble the ball, doesn't let someone overtake his position, doesn't let a grandpa overtake his position and blocks for Russell Wilson. This guy could be one of the most valuable backs in the NFL. He had a breakout year, and then we saw him follow that up with an increased volume in the passing game, which is what you want to see in your running backs, especially in these later rounds. He finishes the running back 11, 240, 14 points, almost 1500 combined yards. I'm a fan of this guy for some reason uh, because of the numbers and you as well. And I think Tom is a big proponent of this guy as well. Uh, We'll give him that. But Chris Carson, man, great first name, great work ethic. Got to like him. (laughs) What can you add on him that I haven't already embellished on?
6: Carson is just consistently good. The last two years he scored nine total touchdowns. The last two years, he had 13-14 total yards and fourteen ninety-six total yards. He's averaging 4.9 or 4.7 yards per touch. He's played in all but three games in the last two years. So this whole injury concern is real because of his first year. But the last two years, he's missed three games. There's not that many running backs who can say that they've done better than that. Three games in the last two years. That's why I'm a little bit – plus, he's already had his injury. He's coming in healthy. He probably won't be running too hard and getting too, too many – heavy reps in the offseason. season. He's going to come in fresh. I am about Chris Carson. He always goes too low for me. I'm like, what is he doing here still? Uh, like I, it's not that I'm super high. I'm at my RB 12. So I am kind of high on him. I mean, comparatively, but I'm just sitting there in the third round going or the fourth round. And I'm going, how am I about to take my fourth running back? Because he shouldn't still be here. And I can't let him go to somebody else and get that kind of value. Chris Carson, Look, Penny's going to be the RB2 when he finally gets healthy. Hyde is the RB2 now. I don't know when Penny's coming back. But Chris Carson doesn't need to get the ball every time to be efficient because he's been incredibly efficient the last two years. And I know Penny's been hurt for some of it, but there were stretches where Penny looked good. And Carson still produces. Seattle likes to run. Uh, Carson had 37 catches last year. He should should at least get that this year. Uh, Wilson wants to throw the ball more. That should only help Carson in PPR formats. It should also make defenses be more honest about the fact that Seattle's just not going to try to pound the ball down your throat like they did with beast mode for years. Wilson's probably going to open the offense up more with those two basically wide receiver ones they have. Carson's going to get mismatches all over the place in backfield as a receiver. Uh, His big question for me is health, and it's not as big of a question as like a Gurley or a Bell or any of those guys that we've talked about because, again, he only missed three games the last two years. He missed one last year. He missed two the year before. I mean, that's pretty good for a running back. Running backs are tough to get 16 games out of. So 14 to 15, I'm not complaining about that. It's just like having an extra bye week or two.
3: You know, I don't know what it is, Ryan, but I'm kind of the same way. I don't know what it is about Chris Carson that I just don't have that much exposure to. I mean, I'm looking over these stats, and the dude finished seven times in the top 12 of RBs last year in half-point PPR leagues. And even though he missed the three games – he still averaged 70% of snaps over the course of 16 games. So, yeah, dude, he he that's yeah. I didn't even realize that. That's crazy. That's workhorse level
6: carrying for an elite offense with an elite quarterback with what I consider to be two borderline elite wide receivers. I mean, that's a recipe for success.
3: Derek, I see you like a cobra up on that mic, man. What do you got?
4: Well, it's, I I can't uh, disagree with the take there, right? Like very factual, very, I don't know that, you know, where his ADP is I can get behind that. Um, You know, a lot of folks want to try and pound the table saying that they want him as their second RB on the, on a roster. Not for me, not with the way I construct teams. He would be a third, fourth running back on there. Um, You know, the fact that that Penny's going to start on the pup and we're not going to see him for the first couple of weeks, I don't, Carlos Hyde didn't really look, you know, that great last year down in down in Houston. So I think we're going to see him spell, um, you know, just as a spell type of back. But I could see Seattle going more towards a opening up a little bit and letting Russ be Russ, like letting him throw the ball a little bit more. And because of that, I could see the Chris Carson value coming down just a little bit because I, I see not him him not necessarily getting up to around that you know, 300 touches again this year, probably more around a 250, 260 type of total. So he definitely has a lot of value in it. A third or fourth round guy, he could, he could easily outperform his ADP.
3: Right. I mean, we didn't even talk about DK and Tyler Lockett and also big Montana Will Disley. I mean, these are, I mean, these are guys that Russ loves to throw. Will Disley, baby Gatorade player of the year in North Dakota, right? Billy. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong or I'm sorry Montana. He's Big Montana. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was wrong on that.
7: I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if he was from North Dakota.
6: They might have four tight ends, honestly. I was doing their projections and I was looking at there's a there's a real but because the top 3 are very injury prone. Yeah. You got Olsen who's injury prone. You got Disley who's played <laughs> four games. I mean, Disley's very injury prone so is Hollister. I mean, Parkinson the rookie could end up getting real looks this year if
3: all three of those guys go down. It's crazy, man, what they can do with their tight ends. Uh, Pete Carroll's wild up there, man. But, Billy, we were talking about you uh, you northern guys up there. Sorry about a guy in northern Iowa, your home state, man. Six one two twenty four. Week four of this show, I talked about him. But I'm going to pass the torch to you uh, because you can talk about him a little more eloquently than I can. I'm talking about uh, David Johnson running a 4-5-40. He's on a new team, who dis? Carlos Hyde, to Derek's point, I suppose, he didn't look really good. But the volume was great because Carlos Hyde ranked 11th in in most carries last year. Also, there's 150 vacated targets from D-Hop that DJ can catch at least 40 of them. 30 of them? Something like that. I'm real high on DJ, obviously. He's my running back, too, in a lot of different leagues. Um, not running back number two, but my RB2. He finished as running back 38 last year. He had a real poor performance the entire year uh, because he was injured, but he did finish in the top 12 five times last year, and he only finished with 50% snaps over 16 games. So the volume will be there in Houston. Billy, I know you're going to do me right talking about DJ, brother.
5: Clinton, Iowa, born and raised. Uh, I'm not sure why he didn't go play for my Hawkeyes, but you and I, nonetheless, we still claim him. But uh, excited for him in Houston. Uh, believe it or not, last year, Carlos Hyde had his second highest yards per carry in his career, the highest since 2016, when his last year with the Niners. 245 carries. If, D- if DJ gets that kind of work, he's going to have a good year. Um, over his career, David Johnson averages five targets a game. That puts him in the 80 range with all the targets vacated. I don't see why he doesn't do that. And then more Lamar Miller handled both the workload running the ball and out of the backfield with targets. When he was there, I think Duke Johnson is going to be an afterthought and David Johnson has some real slot ability. He's he played in the slot in Arizona and was has been very productive in that role. And with injury concerns with slot guys in Houston, why not? You know, Duke Johnson, in the backfield, David Johnson can move outside and do some things. So, uh they had 79 targets the running backs just last year puts it right in kind of that 80 range right kind of what i thought dj might be able to do and i think that might go up because you don't have the possession guy in d hop the th- starting three receivers are mostly the deep threat guys david johnson's going to eat underneath in my opinion so i think he has a large share of that and uh you know he's going as running back 21 early fourth round uh I'll I'll take it. My third, fourth pick, um, you know, it might be a while before I end up with a wide receiver if David Johnson's landing in my lap in the fourth round.
3: Don't disagree with you at all on that. Uh, Derek, you're shaking your head yes, so I'm not going to come to you, but Kevin, you look a little stoic right there, man. I know that you might be on the whole David Johnson been
1: injured. Obviously, you're not a Houston
6: fan,
1: so... No, it's it's not that I don't like the Texans. Don't get me wrong. I just think the Colts are going to walk away with that division. That's um, fair. And that's David fair. Johnson has a ton of potential in that offense. Um, the trade itself is dumb. Like the the trade that's not part itself. Let's
3: not talk about anything about <laughs> Bill O'Brien.
1: But David Johnson, for what he is, I think he's on a mission, guys. Like that's the early reports coming out of Houston, right? He's on a mission. He's ready to kind of prove it to people that he still has what it takes. He can still receive out of the backfield. That that he's not um, an extra. He is an extra year removed from his injury, right? And he got that extra gear back that a lot of people thought he lost last year. There's a ton of volume and work for him there. I am consistently snatching David Johnson up at the end of the third or beginning of the fourth, just because I think 95% of every single mock or real draft I have done this year, I have been drafting 10, 11 or 12. So I have a ton of David Johnson just because he falls to me right there. So um, I'm all about him. I like the pick. I think that, uh, you know, Deshaun has to find a rapport with somebody. Now I think Brandon Cooks is going to be lightning in a bottle for that team. I think he's another guy who's going way underdrafted. I could have done a, a shtick about him, um, but uh, David Johnson, I am completely happy taking him at the end of the third round.
5: One more thing about him too is you know he was RB six, uh, RB five through week six last year, and finished twenty eighteen as RB nine. So the narrative that he's kind of done, he's been injured, this and that and the other you are not necessarily the case if you actually go back and then do some deep diving. Well, y'all are making
3: me both very confident now in my belly up bowl draft because I straight up Voltron, Deshaun Watson, David Johnson, and Brandon Cooks. Voltron, let's go, baby. And I'm winning this thing. <laughs>
4: that's, a, that's a little too much risk for me. I'm curious hey, how many you know, people are that out biscuit,
3: biscuit, Derek. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm gonna ride with my Houston Texans. That's all. You know, I got to do
7: it. So I'm, I, to I, I'm, I'm curious like a- how many people out there are grabbing Duke Johnson, think that, thinking that they're getting David Johnson because <laughs> <I laughs> there's mean, no I mean, way. Got you know,
3: fishbowl that happened with Matt Barkley, right? I oh yeah, oh my God. My yeah. God. Yeah. Someone is all over something. the corner, man. Someone took Matt Barkley and says Saquon. And it was it wild. It is. I mean, I've done that a couple times, Alex, where I'm looking. I'm like, wait a second. I'm drinking a couple beers. I'm in the 12th round. Why is Why is David Johnson? Oh, it's Duke.
6: I actually have exposure to Duke Johnson because if David Johnson isn't healthy, who's going to carry the ball?
3: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I'm just not wishing on it, so I'm not going to have any exposure to him because I'm so <laughs> in on David Johnson. Man. I mean, you seen the Twitter stuff. The dude looks like a Power Ranger out there, man. I mean, he's like, let's go, 31, new team, who dis? Let's go, man. <laughs> but, Tom, this is a guy out of Indiana, six foot tall, 225 pounds. He didn't get a lot of exposure – Because he was injured um, last season with the Bears, who I would think ran him into the ground almost to utilize his talents. But with all that being said, he was still number three in most rushing yards since entering the league four years ago. So that's pretty good.
0: And
3: out of my and he goes to Miami right now that couldn't be in a better spot for him because they upgrade the offensive line. They get a franchise quarterback. Jordan Howard's one of your guys, man. So what can you give me on him? In, on in? Yeah, man. I mean,
2: number one, so he was on the Eagles last year, not the Bears. So that was, that was one thing. Number two, I, honestly, I don't even know if he was injured last year. I don't know about you guys, but they never really announced any injury for him. It was just kind of, yeah, Jordan Howard's not on the field. No explanation why. Um, I mean, you nailed it. This is a guy that he was, uh, you know, his first three years in Chicago were incredibly productive. Um, You know, rookie season, he had 1300 yards, sophomore season, 1100 yards, um, you know, six and nine touchdowns respectively. Third season, Cohen kind of started to take out a little bit of the the um, you know the target share um, dropped off a little bit sub thousand yard season there. Still had nine touchdowns though, um, but last year, like you said, with the Eagles, only about five hundred, but still six touchdowns. I mean, stats wise, this guy's a touchdown machine. Yards wise, I mean, if he has the opportunity to be a lead back, what that shows is that. If he's that number one back, he's going to have yardage. He has the ability to do it. Um, I mean, this is a guy that over his career averages four point three yards per carry. Um, Miami's really improved the offensive line down there this year. You think he's uh, probably going to get a lot of touches? Uh, you know, being a, a pretty good pass catcher. Excuse um, me, pass blocking back. Uh, Matt a more of a, uh, a third down change of pace guy, uh, who also really can't stay on the field. You know, can't can't stay healthy, so. Um, I mean, personally, I see Jordan Howard being the guy this year in Miami. Um, not to mention the fact that you probably, again, need to run the ball to establish anything with uh, Tua. You know, you can't rely on a rookie quarterback to to lead a team, uh, and Fitz Magic's only good for three games at a time.
3: Well, I don't know. I think I would have to disagree on a couple of those points. But overall, with Jordan Howard, I think he's going to need a little bit of work, at least 185. 185- Rushes and with that improved offensive line, if they're going to work into a, I think they're going to utilize him a little bit and he could be, you know, RB3, RB2. Um, Billy, what do you have on him? Do you disagree? Also, love the background.
5: Yeah, thanks. I, I'm really high on Jordan Howard. I mean, he's been pretty productive over the years, you know, since he's coming to the league, rushing numbers and everything else. He's up there with, with some guys that. You know, you do not associate him with the Jordan Howard's the other young guys. He's also only 25 years old, and he's really yet for someone to just give him the workload and let him Can be a bat. been so, for like 12 uh, years? I, 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 he seems like it, doesn't it? But uh, uh, he, he's a young guy. I mean, he, I think Miami's a really good landing spot for him. The way they're trying to do things, I think he's going to be more productive than people are giving him credit for. And he's already been more productive than we associate him with. Okay. Well, that's fair. I, I mean,
3: yeah, you, you had me on that. He's only 25 years old, so.
5: He's a guy I love to get, you know, after you get those first two, three running backs, just snagging up a couple of those those uh, receivers in the Marquise Brown range, you know, uh, you know, getting another back, the kind of the, the bye week guy, the flex spot guy, Jordan Howard. I'm getting a ton of shares of him right after I load up on my receivers. Okay. Well, Ryan, I don't disagree with Billy at all on that, but I just have
3: to simmer on that. But let's move on and talk about a guy who has flashed really, really good things in college. Um, and there's not a lot of exposure to this guy because he was so limited at Memphis. They they drafted him in the third round to be a backup running back to Darius guys, one of your guys earlier on in the season until he got cut. But this guy has 4'3 speed. I don't have a lot on him because – I never really watched Memphis. I just know that his stats are crazy and they don't have a lot on him. What can keep your bite on this and why should I have Anthony Gibson over Bryce Love, a guy that's a thousand-yard guy in college twice? Two reasons, I think,
6: or maybe more. We'll start with two reasons. One, he played wide receiver more than he did running back in college. To me, that means less wear and tear. Uh, less beaten up body. But when he played running back in college, his senior year, he had 11.2 yards per carry. Now, just for a second, 11.2 yards per carry. Most tight ends don't get that per catch. He had 33 carries for 369 yards and four touchdowns. So what that leads. And so I watched a lot of film in this guy. Cause as when I was really high on guys and I was, I was like, I need to handcuff with who's going to be the RB2. And at first I thought it was going to be Peterson. But then I watched a lot of film on this, on Gibson. My goodness. Like, he gets a lot of crap about disappearing in big games, and some of it's got merit. But I think about him in a lot of the same ways that I think about a guy like uh, Cam Akers, who, I mean, he was playing with Memphis against some teams. He had no business. They were outclassed as far as talent goes. But when he was playing against guys who had similar offensive and defensive lines to Memphis, or when he was playing with – I mean, this guy was the best athlete on the field a lot of games that he played in, and that was big to me. Uh, they're going to have to run the ball, and on top of that, the running back's going to have to be able to catch the ball. That's what he did. That's what he does. Is Peterson a prolific receiver? No, he's not. So even if Peterson gets the first and second down work, the third down work, pass catching work, is gonna go to Gibson. He's he's electric. He's explosive. Uh, again, he was a wide receiver that gets gonna convert into running back because of his explosiveness. I I have a lot of exposure to him just because I had a lot of exposure to guys. So I was getting him late in all the early drafts I did. But now I'm targeting him uh, six round or so, trying to find because in PPR I have him like 19th. Uh, in standard he's much lower than that, but in full point PPR. Gibson is going to get a bunch of catches. I mean, I'll tell you in 10 seconds how many I think he's going to get.
3: It's a while you're you're looking that up. Let me let me let me talk a little bit. Uh So, I was a big guy on Bryce Love just because, like you mentioned, he had or like you didn't mention, but kind of underlined, he has a lot of wear and tear, kind of like a Jonathan Taylor kind of guy. They used him in college, his sophomore and his senior year. He had over a thousand yards both those years, I believe, or maybe it was vice versa, freshman junior year, something like that. But he has a lot of yards on him, a lot of miles on him. All reports out of training camp right now are saying that Adrian Peterson's the number one, as we all expected, out of Palestine, Texas, give the extra juice of the Texas guys. But number two is Bryce Love. They're saying that they're moving Anthony Gibson all over the field, kind of being in the slot, you know, kind of being that other guy the the, the gadget guy, yeah. If like Grace Love is staring, staring you in the face, and then also Anthony Gibson, you're taking Gibson over Love ten times out of ten. And the reason is the catches. He's gonna have. I have. I'm projecting
6: him to have 57 catches this year for 587 yards and three TDs. Like Whoa. he's That's going. Fair.
3: That's fair. Those are your predictions, right? And we course, are. Yeah. Of yeah. course, like I'm not saying yeah. has to say, real quick? Because so I believe he might agree with me a little bit.
4: So Antonio Gibson really is a special kind of player, right? Like yeah. I view him as an offensive weapon, kind of in the, the realm of an Austin Eckler type. Like I could see him potentially filling in that type of role. But when it comes to who I'm drafting this year, I'm. Yeah. Like you just said, 10 times out of 10 times, you're taking uh Gibson 10 times out of 10 times between the two. I'm taking Bryce love reason being I can probably pick him up about four or five rounds later. In most cases, uh, the reports out of camp are looking really good. This was a guy that was a runner up Heisman candidate, uh, more than once at Stanford. Like this was a guy that, that was also right behind CMC. So yeah, you know, that would have, that would have been an interesting running back room there in Stanford, having both CMC and Bryce Love, you know, kind of sharing some, some tales and tape, but that's a different story. But it's, it's one in which I see Bryce Love being a little bit more of a complete back when it's all said and done. Um uh, Antonio Gibson is very explosive. You're right. 11 yards per carry, but there was only 33 of those his senior year. He didn't have any in his junior year. He was a guy that, um, his, freshman and sophomore season did not play in a division one uh, deal. He had some, it sounded like he had some grade issues, things like that. So he went to a Juco, played his way up Memphis up and coming program. They they do some good things there, but uh, he he's an offensive weapon to me that I don't necessarily know that I want to draft him in what's becoming a eighth, ninth, 10th round type of pick when I can prick up a Bryce love in about the 14th round when nobody else is looking at him.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the way I look at it, too, uh, Derek. But I understand where you're coming from, Ryan. I got a lot of my
6: exposure early. I got a lot of my exposure early when Geis was still healthy because I yeah. figured if I had to pick which back I would want outside of him, it would be Gibson because I felt like if Geis is healthy and he does well, they're still going to use Gibson as a weapon type. Right. Uh, and Love would be buried down in the depth chart behind Peterson, behind you know, Whereas I think regardless of what the running back situation is, Gibson's going to get his snap share.
4: Well, yeah. when you were picking him up, you were probably getting him in a 13th, 14th oh, yeah. round type of thing. And that oh, is yeah. a terrific value there. Like I can't fault you for taking Gibson in the 13th round. Like that is just exceptional value. And that's probably something that's going to pay off for you long-term.
6: Right. Yeah. Dynasty. Ooh, I love yeah. that. In Do you have
4: him in the, uh, in the Ryder Bowl?
6: Do I? I, th- I th- uh, uh yes I do. Too
3: many leagues, right? If you gotta think like that,
6: I am in too many leagues, dude. I'm definitely
1: in too many leagues. Facts. <laughs> right. You know, I I think my biggest deal about Gibson is the talent is there, right? He is. He, you want to watch him, right? You want to see what's there. Now that now that guys is gone, it's the capital that I have to invest to get him. That that I'm fading. It's not the talent. It's it's the capital that I'm. I'm just not willing to invest it. Yet, I have too many questions for, you know, a a mid-tier round where I could pick up uh, just maybe some other pieces I feel a little bit better about the floor, right? The the ceiling isn't quite as high, but if I'm picking up, you know, a wide receiver two in that area, and and depending on how your roster construct is, you know, maybe I want a guy that, you know, guarantees me more volume as a wide receiver two in a PPR than, you know, the higher floor that Gibson probably does depending on how Washington uses him. And th- the, the big kicker about all this is I don't trust Dwayne Haskins at all guys. Like if, if you tell me Alex Smith wins that starting position and I am grabbing a ton of Alex Smith right now, ton just because I, you know you're dropping scraps to get him, whatever, picking up a ton of Alex Smith. Then I think Gibson has some real value there and Alex Smith will make this kid pop. But I don't trust Dwayne Haskins to do it at all. I I don't even know if the kid knows how to tie his shoes.
3: Mm, Tom would say that he doesn't. He wears like the uh, the velcros,
1: the right. velcro Jordan pumps.
3: Yeah, the velcro Jordan pumps. Yeah, yeah. Very minimal effort, right there. Very uh, you know, we'll, we'll go with that on Dwayne Haskins. Uh, but man, you talk about a juco guy, and we're gonna skip over this for a second and come back to it, but. A Juco guy, Billy, out of Blen Univer or Blen College. A uh I guess they've won that Juco championship probably like four or five times. I mean, an AM coach's son coached the Blen Buccaneers, Ryan. You know this as I know this. Coach Fran's son led these guys to victory, along with a very, very good quarterback, Cam Newton. 6'5, 245. 1.01 out of Auburn. Go SEC. ADP now? In the 10th round. I mean, y'all know I've ranted about this, how I believe that Cam Newton is going to be the dude in New England up until the Super Bowl, and some reason something happens or Joe Jim comes in, Tom Brady-esque, and just wins the Super Bowl with Rex Burkhead, Tom's guy, Julian Edelman, and, like, Devin Asiasi. Some crazy stuff like that's gonna happen. But up until the playoff, Cam Newton's a very good quarterback. He might win you the championship this year, if I'm wrong, because all reports like Train Camp are saying that he over he overthrew Demarius or uh, Bird. I forgot what the first guy was Demarius. The there you go. Overthrew him. And that's not so much of an insult to Cam as his shoulder is healed. They say his footwork's good, so he's still down there. Could he be the guy that we expected him to
5: be way back when? But with Bill, I, I like Cam in New England. Uh, you know, twenty eighteen, he had uh, the shoulder injury down the stretch, so uh, you know our kind of our last viewing of him was was really pathetic, not able to really throw the ball at all. I mean, it was some of Cam's worst football. Twenty nineteen, coming into the year. Uh, a lot of big expectations. The foot injury also kind of derailed his season, you know, really before he got started, he wasn't healthy to go at all, but he did have his career high in completion percentage, in a way outlier year at over 67% in 2018, uh, which he was also, you know, coming out talking about how that was his goal uh, was to play better quarterback. So um, I think the big chip on his shoulder, there's not a lot of numbers there. That's really going to support cam going to new England and, and blowing the top off this year. But um I do think his rushing averages will be down. He's averaged around 115 carries, 600 yards and seven touchdowns a year. They're not going to use him like that because they need him healthy. And Cam's body flat out isn't able to take that beating anymore, getting into his thirties, having some tenure on him. But you know, other than 2015, where he had the, the, the 35 touchdowns, 50 total touchdown a year, that year was really an outlier for him. He's more of a 22, 24 touchdown, 31, 3300 yard guy. Uh, and I think, you know, basically his role in New England is going to be not screw it up. Don't throw picks. Don't turn the ball over. Play smart football. I see them run the ball a lot. They have a stable of running backs in New England. And, you know, I just wonder how much Bill Pelajek really going to let Cam rip it.
3: Yeah, that's fair as well, man. I mean, all reports out of camp right now are saying that Damian Harris, SEC Alabama guy, is one of the top guys. And then they've got Lamar Miller. They just signed. Obviously, he went on the pup. Yeah. Who's on the bubble right now? But then James White, PPR monster, and then also um,
5: James, White. James White, James White, James
3: White. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even talked about him. I'm just PPR, PPR monster. You should be drafting him regardless. Um, if, if you're in a PPR league or even half point PPR league, but uh, guys, I mean, Kevin, yeah, they all smile right there for Cam Newton. What do you got on the
1: man? I, you, you guys probably won't let me back on the show after this one. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want any part of problem, Cam, dude. man. We don't care if you disagree with us. I, I, I just don't, don't want any part of Cam, dude. Right? Well, I agree, yeah, yeah. Just, Cam's been overthrowing guys since he got drafted. That's why the, yes. why the Panthers were pigeonholed into Calvin Benjamin, he's a trash that receiver. But the only reason they got him is like, hey, the guy's 6-4 with a 6-8 wingspan. Maybe he can actually go up and get some of the shit tam- camp tosses up there. <laughs> it, you know, it, he had a great season the year that, you know, his MVP season, right? He did. He had a great outlier of a season. But cam doesn't read the field well he doesn't move well through progressions um there's times where he takes off a little too early there's other times where he tries to take off and shouldn't right the broncos in two games back-to-back games super bowl 50 and then the following season in week one absolutely broke cam newton they broke him he is not put back together the way he used to be it's not humpty dumpty guys like this is scotch tape holding him together at this point i don't Trust him, and I think the Patriots are actually going to run him more, despite all this, because they don't have a running back to run the way that they really would like to facilitate that offense. Sonny Michelle, who it pains me to say this because go dogs, but Sonny Michelle just can't get going in that offense. Um, James White is not a between-the-tackles guy. He's, he's the ultimate receiving yeah. back, and his role on that team has been niched out forever, and that's okay. Damian Harris – Maybe we don't know. He's running with the ones now, but that's because Michelle and Lamar Miller are both on PUP. And quite frankly, who the hell knows with Bill Belichick, right? He'll run 15 running backs a season just to keep you guessing. It's a fantasy, you know, cluster. I don't trust Keneal Harry yet. There's a lot of reports out of New England saying that he can't get off the line of scrimmage against these against these cornerbacks. So if he can't get off the line and he can't go high point a ball that Cam's going to throw three feet over his head, it's useless. Uh, Muhammad Sanu can only do so much. He runs the best routes on that team, but is anybody scared of Muhammad Sanu? Like, I I just, I don't see where these numbers are coming from, from Cam. Like I, I can't put the pieces together to lay it out in front of me and go, yeah, this is a guy I can get late and I'm going to get value out of I Pass.
2: And we've real seen, quick, Billy mentioned
7: story. it. Go ahead, Tom.
2: I was going to say real quick, Billy mentioned that, you know, the biggest thing he needs to do is just not screw up and not turn the ball over. Do you guys know how many seasons he's had less than 10 interceptions? Tom, seen them all. And it was the last season when he only played two games. Every other season in his career, he's had at least 10 interceptions, at least then you even get into fumbles, like you start going down the rabbit hole of turnovers with Cam Newton, and it's ugly.
6: Here's the thing: he has James White. James White is going to catch. I got him having ninety targets. Like he's got James White, he's got Edelman. These guys are little PPR monsters. So Edelman ain't jumping
1: for a ball over the middle.
6: No. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. But he's also not going more than seven yards up the field. So Cam isn't going to be trying to throw deep. He's just going to be
2: bouncing little uh, beer pong shots at these right. guys. Have be- you ever watched him play? Because when he tries to do that, he throws the ball 40 yards.
6: Guys, I don't know. Christian McCaffrey had like 1,000 catches with Cam Newton. So I, 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 And so did DJ Moore. So, like, it's totally doable. It's just does he have the right kind of weapons? And when I look at McCaffrey and DJ Moore and then I look at – edelman and white i see a lot of similarities as far as the way that the style could work for cam and in, in this little pass catching running back and this little i mean edelman and more of the same guy but edelman is not this deep ball beat you downfield guy he's the it underneath and let me make you look good cam type of a guy so i'm not like i'm not super duper high on him but i also like getting him as my qb2 because i also think he has some rushing for
7: I mean, there's definitely going to be a floor
3: with him. Like I believe Kevin said, so they're going to run this guy a little bit, right? Bill Belichick's going to use him.
6: McDaniel's to Tebow right in the first round. round. McDaniel's.
7: Yes, that's what I was going to say. We've seen this story before. Josh McDaniel's Tim Tebow. Now Cam's probably a better quarterback passer than Tim Tebow. I mean, I'm probably a better <laughs> passer than Tim Tebow, but. But we've seen this story before. We've seen what Josh McDaniels wants to do with a mobile quarterback. I mean, that was his guy. He went and traded up in that draft to get Tim Tebow at the end of the first round to get his guy. And that was the year that he also got Demarius Thomas. And, uh, oh, he's escaping me. Wide receiver out of Minnesota. Thank you, Eric Decker. Um, he's, uh, we've seen what McDaniels wants to do with this style of quarterback. And I'll tell you what, it does not it doesn't. We saw it. We're the good old boys. We're all Denver Broncos fans. And while that year it was kind of fun to be a Broncos fan, I think to a person, um, everybody who was like a legit Broncos fan and not a Tim Tebow fan was so happy that John Elway came back and convinced Peyton Manning. Well, everybody to come had to, to be. Denver.
6: It's Peyton Manning. Ryan. We don't well, need to. But there know. were a lot of people who love Tim him. Tim about Peyton? Tim yeah.
2: Tim Peyton's the goat, man. I don't care what anybody says. Unpopular opinion real quick. Jared Stidham's playing by week 12, week 10, 12. I, I wouldn't no, disagree no, I'm with, with you that. on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, disagree. I'm that familiar. could happen. That could it happen.
2: could happen, but what's going to happen maybe earlier because Cam's probably going to break himself by
3: week five. But or I guess in the playoffs, whenever Tom Brady stepped in or Drew Bledsoe, that's when Jared yeah. Stidham will step in. It's going to be a whole narrative, man. It's going to be so crazy. Y'all heard it first here like three weeks ago. But... Alex, let's talk about a guy that one of our really good fans is not gonna like about not gonna like at all. He's already in the comments right now. Coach Ayala from the Valley, he's a football coach man. He watches us, he loves us. I love him for watching and commenting with us. But you're gonna talk about a division rival of the Dallas Cowboys. Carson Wentz, who in my mind, I own him in the FFCC for five yard rush, best ball league. I think he's great. I think he's going to have some great weapons this year, but has shown us that he's just been okay, right? Like he's not lighting the world on fire previously to this year, but he's okay. He's going to help you be, you know, maybe in the third or fourth position. He's not going to win you any weeks i don't think at least he's one of your guys alex enlighten me on this guy and tell me why i need to be drafting this guy at some point in my drafts
7: all right so so what you're saying where he's not going to win you weeks is true um carson wentz when the eagles are successful carson wentz throws the ball 25 times or less that's typically what the the eagles offense and so when they're when they're cooking, when the Eagles offense is moving, Carson Wentz is not throwing the football a ton. Um, when Carson Wentz starts to get a ton of, you know, when he's up over 25, closer to 30, sometimes even closer to 40, that's uh, a bad day for the Eagles. That's It's a good day for everybody else um, when he's throwing the football that much. But when he is throwing the football, he's he, he, he's pretty incredibly accurate. And here's what, um, you know, when, when we had to come up with a guy – That we take, you know, my guy. Carson Wentz has been my guy since his rookie year. Honestly, I drafted him his rookie season. And then all of a sudden, he actually started that year because uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who we'll talk about in a little bit, blew out his knee. Sam Bradford gets shipped over from from Philly to uh, Minnesota. And Carson gets, you know, thrust in there as a number two overall pick. (laughs) This Marco guy is unbelievable. All right. Um, <laughs> you're, just, you're just not finding that That's out. unbelievable. All right. Um, so Carson's not going until the eighth eighth round in most leagues. I'm I'm picking him up much earlier than that because I want to get my guy, my my quarterback. But we look at what he did last year. He had over 4,000 yards passing for the first time in his career. Granted, for the first time in his career, actually second time in his career, his, not his rookie year. Um he played all 16 games, so that was that was a big deal. Was that he actually played a full season? He did that his rookie year. He did it again this this past year. He threw 27 touchdowns. The last three seasons, Carson Wentz has thrown seven interceptions each season. That's pretty freaking consistent, and I bet you he'll throw seven interceptions again this year. That's that's what Carson Wentz will be. Uh, he also had 243 rush yards, which was close to a career high. I mean, take out his his sophomore season where he was on pace to be the MVP. I mean, he was playing at world beater levels and then he blew out his knee. I think what we saw last year out of Carson Wentz is what we're going to expect out of Carson Wentz moving forward. He's got now Deshaun Jackson. He's got two really good pass catching tight ends in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Um, Both are really good options down around the goal line. And that's tough for defenses to figure out which one you want to stop. Not to mention, he's got some pretty decent running backs now in Miles Sanders and Boston. Scott, that dudes that will catch the football out of the backfield. And here's the big thing. Nelson Aguilar and all of his drops shipped off to Las Vegas. See you later. All those drops are gone. And those t- all of a sudden become receptions. And now we're talking about, you know, maybe an extra 100, 150 yards uh, that Carson gets and a couple more touchdowns. Because some of those were huge drops that were wide open walking touchdowns that we're talking about. So, um He bulked up to 250 pounds. That's what the the reports are out of of Philly, that he's bulked up to 250. And that's good, in my opinion, because that means the injury risk goes down a little bit. He can sustain taking those hits. Um, Again, I don't know that he's going to run the football as much this year as we've seen in the past. I think he's going to be a little bit smarter about that. But I've covered Carson Wentz. I've been following Carson Wentz for six years now, and I know that he's a gamer, and if it's there for him to run and take, he's going to run and take. Like, that's what Carson Wentz does. He's a, he's a gamer. And the big thing, he just became a dad in the offseason, so he's got big dad energy going on here this year. I think that's a big, big, big reason why Carson Wentz is going to have um, a year better than, than what everybody else thinks he might.
3: A lot of people don't realize, like, when you get that first kid, you get that dad strength, right, Billy? Like, it's, it's like, it's crazy.
5: Another thing I like about Wentz, I love Jalen Rieger. I saw this guy play live at Iowa State last year. He was on You Got Moss for two of his catches. My local kid, Max Duggan, freshman down there throwing him some balls, and not very many of them were very good balls. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, the guy made some catches on balls that, that you know weren't well thrown. He maybe wasn't open. Coverage wasn't right, but the ball was still coming, and, and Rieger just made plays. And if you saw him uh, the other day in camp just torch and slay on every which route he wanted to run, uh, I, I mean, I'm excited. Rieger, there it might be his best weapon he's had around him yet. Uh, I'm not a big Alshon Jeffrey guy. Sorry, I just you know it wasn't really like a fit when he left Chicago. It seems like they were kind of grasping at that main receiver to add to the roster. I think with Rieger, they have a legit guy that they can move around. He's picking up every spot in the offense. Once is going to use him, and I think it helps him out a lot. I, don't
3: I mean, not at all. But Tom, what do you have on? I guess Miles Sanders adding in with this guy because. All sources say that Miles Sanders is going to be the guy. He's going to catch the balls. He's going to alleviate some of the pressure from Carson Wentz, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, they've told him he's the guy this year. He is their number one back, so it's my, it is the Miles Sanders show. Um, I mean, if you look at last year's stats for him, he's he's got the talent. He's going to extrapolate that over 16 games as the number one guy. It's going to be a big year for him. So obviously, that helps you know take some pressure off the quarterback. And then you do have Boston Scott and uh, even Corey uh, Clement, who you know, according to reports, is back to his Super Bowl season form. First winning fire, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, if the Eagles are all about putting the pieces in the right place, it doesn't matter what piece you are. It doesn't matter if you're a square peg, they're going to make you fit into a round hole. They will make it work no matter where you are on the field. So, I mean, what I got to say, though, is if you're going to compare 2019 stats, once last year, 4,039 yards, we'll say player B, 4,031. Wentz, 27 touchdowns. Player B, 26 touchdowns. Wentz, seven uh, interceptions. Player B, five interceptions. Uh, Wentz actually had uh, two rushing yards. <laughs> Player B, 218 rushing yards. Kevin, you said you know who it is? Gardner Minshew. No. No. Aaron Rodgers. Nope. Aaron
5: Rodgers. Hey, no. Prescott.
2: No.
3: Nope.
2: Oh. Anybody else? Final call? Patrick oh, Mahomes.
3: Wow. Oh, get up on out of here with Patrick Mahomes, man. He's so, a He's, a joke. he's, he's about to do it, on I mean, Patrick Mahomes.
7: He also missed I'm two games.
2: Yeah, with, I mean, with two less games, I get it. But the point is, there's only two quarterbacks last year that made it to the playoffs without a 1,000-yard rusher, without a 1,000-yard receiver. It's Carson Wentz and Patrick Mahomes. They ball out. I mean – you got two guys that can play ball, and, and Wentz is one of them,
3: right? Okay, I mean, preach, you know, preach. It, So I'm going to go with it. I, he's got the ability to do it. He's he's got the ability. He's got the weapons. Doug Peterson is a phenomenal coach, so don't disagree with anything about Carson Wentz probably being a top five guy if he stays healthy. If the offensive line works out, a lot of ifs with that, but I'll agree with that, Tom. You're so am out, Caution Wentz. Let's close it up, or not close it up, but let's just move on to you with a guy who is a backup who gets in a really good position this year because he was a backup, but he fills in a backups position. He's 6'2, he's two fifteen. He was drafted out of Louisville in the first round. His ADP this year as a quarterback in the fourteenth round. I mean he has the number one running back in the league, hands down. At his disposal, he has a Texas coach, Matt Rule. He has a Texas wide receiver in Robbie Anderson. You gotta give the juice to these guys, right? Matt Rule is a savant. How does this guy not on everyone's radar On everyone's radar, and I'm talking about Teddy Bridgewater.
2: I mean, hey, I know this one is probably the hottest of my takes today, and. That says something.
3: I don't know. You're talking about a lot of different things today, Tom.
2: I mean, I've had some hot takes today, but I think <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater being one of my guys is is probably the hottest. So I'm going to clarify. I'm not going to sit here and say that Teddy Bridgewater isn't quarterback one. Not at all what I'm trying to go for. I think Teddy Bridgewater has the ability. Yeah, I know, right? Got to got to wipe the sweat away there. I think he can be a high-end quarterback too, though. Um, I mean, it's you're you're stretching a little bit, but – you got to look at the fact, like you said, Chris, like you said, Chris, I mean, really, to
7: me real quick, brother.
2: Oh, I seen, I seen it. I mean, number one running back in the league, like you said, uh, CMC, you're going to put him at number two, Ryan. <laughs> oh. But anyway, I mean, the guy can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He can do whatever you need. doesn't matter. Um, I mean, I think he has more depth personally. I think he has more depth at receiver than he did in new Orleans. Uh, I mean, you have, Obviously you don't have Michael Thomas, but uh, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel. um, And then you even add in, you guys know I'm big on Ian Thomas. I think he's going to have a solid season. Again, not a, not a number one guy, but uh, a solid tight end there, I think. Um, I mean, personally, we talked about Cam. I think Teddy's going to have less turnovers as many, if not more yards than Cam throwing the ball. He's going to break that 3,500 mark. I think pretty Easily, I think he's going to be 35 to 3,800 passing yards um, and probably in the realm of, uh, you know, around 20 to 22 touchdowns, if I had to guess. Um, I mean, it's he's not a guy that you're going to take early, but I, I think you said he's in the 14th round now is his ADP. I mean, you could get him in the you know twelve, thirteen, even up around ten, and I wouldn't be mad at it. As a guy that I can have on my bench and feel comfortable about putting in when my starter's on bye week, if my starter goes down or they have just a terrible matchup, Teddy Bridgewater is a pretty safe bet as a QB two, uh, personally.
3: Sounds like you have the same mind as like the New Orleans Saints front office, right?
2: Hey, going five and zero last year with him <laughs> as a backup. Again, I know it's the Saints. I know you got.
7: But hey, hey, what's, uh, what's, let's not forget, it. Teddy Bridgewater was a starting established quarterback in this league before he blew out his knee. If it wasn't for that horrific knee injury, freak knee injury. injury, he would still be the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback right now. Like, there is no doubt in my mind. He was married okay. to Zimmer. And if Mike Zimmer's still there, Teddy Bridgewater is still there as the, the starting quarterback in Minnesota. No doubt. I promise you that that is what would have happened. So,
6: yeah, fourteen is
7: Yeah, he was learning the system. It's a Mike Zimmer system. Mike Zimmer doesn't ask a ton out of his quarterbacks, ask Kirk Cousins. It's, yeah. It just doesn't matter. Okay, True story. True He story. just wants defense, and then he wants you to score literally one more point than the than the opposition. That's all he's asking out of his offense. So, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I think going to this to this system in Carolina, I think will be very very healthy. Not just for for Teddy's, you know fantasy relevance but think about all the times that he just has to you know chuck it to christian mccaffrey and mccaffrey does the rest and you've got all of those fantasy points in terms of yards after catch or whatever it is i think i think teddy will be a qb1 by the end of this year just based on everything else that he's got going in that offense i really do i i am big on teddy um the more that i think about it the more that i talk myself into it i'm big on teddy this year he he will be a qb1 I'm with you, Tom. Tom I, I'm with you, and the fact that he's going so late, perfect. Derek, I mean, not- saw the,
3: the head shake. Sorry, Tom. I have, to, yeah. have to stop this, Derek. What do you have,
4: Alex? I can tell you right now in our home league, Kevin and I are just going to let you take uh, like Teddy Bridgewater as late as you want because. I I don't think that we're going to roster him on either one of our teams. Um I don't see him being a QB1. Like when I was doing statting out on this guy, I see him at 3600 yards, 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's about where I see him. Um which I really wish I could have gotten gotten up higher cuz I am super big on DJ Moore this year. Like that's that's one that if y'all have listened to our show, you know that how big we are on DJ Moore and I wish that Teddy Bridgewater was having more volume that uh, that I could pencil in towards DJ Moore as well. But I, I don't see him really eclipsing 3,600, 3,700 yards
2: this year. So I mean, as a QB2, that's not a bad season, though. Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with that as my QB2.
4: QB3 is where I see him. Like He's going to be quarterback 25, 26, 27, somewhere right there on the year.
1: 29, that's where I have him. That's I, right. The thing about Teddy is –
3: right,
1: I think it might be high. 159? Yeah. Look at Teddy Teddy by himself. I
3: was going to (laughs) turn (laughs) the mirror real quick. He says, hold up.
1: Look at him. Right. So, looking at Teddy by himself, you don't feel super excited about it, right? Like, you you feel like it's that mid to late 20s. But you start looking at the sum of the parts, right? Like, like Derek said, uh, we expect big things from DJ Moore. Uh, Teddy. D.J. Moore is not Michael Thomas, okay, so don't misquote me here, but he does possess Michael Thomas' tendencies in his route tree. They run similar routes. They are used in a similar fashion, Mm -hmm. and Teddy has a familiarity with that coming from the New Orleans offense. So that speaks to part of the reason I like D.J. Moore so much. Um, Christian McCaffrey, the number one overall fantasy pick. Again, all those receptions – funnel back down into Teddy. I really like Curtis Samuel. Um, Robbie Anderson uh, will find a nice niche in there because of his familiarity with Matt Rule. But, uh, you know, Joe Brady will find a way to make these skill position players useful. And I think once you kind of start breaking it down and adding it up, he's he's going to be closer to quarterback 20 than quarterback 30. Now, I'm not saying he's going to blow the doors off, but if all the sum, if the sum of all the parts is there, how I think it could be, then you have to put Teddy Bridgewater up there because unless, you know, he gets injured, there's no one else throwing the ball in Carolina. What about the money? The biggest
2: hole in Carolina is the offensive line. The big hole.
1: I mean, it, but is, like, it is a big I'm hole. McCaffrey doesn't like ball running ball. between the tackles anyway. They'll just little flare pass. Here, ding, exactly. dunk. They're, they, they're aware of that being
2: the biggest issue on that offense. They know that they have all the skill position players. They can run short routes. It doesn't matter. Like we were saying, it's, he can dunk it off in a two yard pass. Anything after the catch is still going to Teddy. It doesn't matter and those guys in Carolina can can run after the catch.
1: Right. What, four or five deep shots a game just to keep the defense honest? And at that point, it doesn't even matter if he hits Robbie Anderson or Curtis Samuel. It just matters that get them behind the defense, get creative enough to show them behind the defense, keep the safeties honest, and it'll take some of the pressure off that offensive line so Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Ian Thomas can kind of feast on some of those receptions.
2: And if you're smart enough, you're utilizing play action to do it with the arguably –
1: the best running back in the nfl back there he's not the best running back in the nfl he's the best running back in fantasy That's,
5: That's and, and to kevin's point you know trying to get some of those guys deep curtis samuel you know he's not going to do a lot of work underneath you know he is more of a deep threat same thing with um uh, with robbie anderson you know he's not going to run you know eight yard patterns he's going deep he's going to send him deep so one thing to keep aware of is uh P.J. Walker in the lurk, you know, sitting in the background, old connection to, with Temple, with Coach Rule. I'm telling you, P.J. Walker will sling it. He backed up Andrew Luck. He's a good player. He was turning up in the AFL. If Teddy doesn't get this offense going, look out. Billy, hey, I, 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 I swear you were yeah. in
3: my head about a lot of things
5: because I was ready
3: to just like every everyone go, I'm going to segue into my guy, and I'm going to just talk about P.J. for a second. But you did for me. Golly, fair enough.
4: They didn't pay Teddy twenty million to turn the turn the ball over to PJ a couple games into the season. It's not going to happen. Teddy's their guy.
3: Texas football, a little Texas football. Matt Rule, PJ Walker, and Robbie Anderson, all Temple guys, all at the same time. It's going to happen at some point. Just
5: quote me on that. He he looked really no, good no. at the AFL man. He was really playing well. We don't play. need to vote
3: with P.J. What? Stats. I mean, you don't like Joe
5: right. in the game? No. But, Joe, but Joe, Joe
4: Brady's a guy from the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater coming from the Saints. The offensive coordinator has the connection You're there. Right. That's that, they right. they just gave him 20 million a year. That's their guy.
5: battle line too. An injury happens, he doesn't get the job back. I'll I'll I'll, I'll die on that hill. That's fair. That's possible. That's possible, but it's just not be taken in a healthy it's just not very away from him. Plausible at this
3: point, but other things that are not plausible is all of you guys have known about me. I like to talk about one guy and one guy a lot. I'm wearing the the shirt that I wore during week four of our belly up fancy Live to do my guy's number one. This is my guy volume two for the same shirt. Just talk about the same guy that I talked about weeks ago. I talked about him on your show. Apparently, I convinced you on him. I'm still having a little bit of backlash from my belly up guys, but that's okay because I'm going to reiterate everything that I've always said about Ty God Taylor. A guy that is over 6 feet tall from Virginia Tech. Drafted out of the sixth round in 2011. His ADP is in the 19th round. You can scoop this guy up, but it's crazy because he was labeled the cheat code, guys, at the Buffalo Bills. Runs a 40 and a 4-4. He has one of the smallest turnover ratios in the NFL right behind your guy, Ryan. Hey, Rod. And and, do what? It wasn't Rogers. I thought it was Rogers. Is Peyton? Oh,
5: interesting.
3: Mm, it might be Rogers too because they're pretty close, right? But I think
6: Rodgers – Go ahead.
3: Tyrod is up there because I listened to his coach, Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn is all about this guy. We've seen in our hard knocks how, you know, this guy is in the driver's seat. This guy's the starting quarterback to Justin Herbert, who is a rookie out of Oregon, who, as Kevin has said. Rookies are not going to have that good of a year, and I'm a big proponent of that as well. Why would Anthony Lynn bring this guy over here? Let's dig a little bit into this, guys. And this is only my only rant for the night because I didn't get to rant at all. But (laughs) at the Buffalo Bills, Tyrod Taylor has only played with Anthony Lynn as his offensive coordinator slash head coach. During his greatest years in the National Football League, his offensive coordinator was Anthony Lynn. Turn the ball over, not a lot ran a lot, was very precise, and scored a lot of fantasy points for you. 270 points three years in a row. Crazy for a guy that you're going to draft in the 14th, 19th round. So could this happen this year? Probably. And I'm going to hang my hat on this because one thing, that offensive line is crazy. You got Marcus Pouncey, you got Brian Balaga anchoring this Chargers offensive line. You've got Austin Eckler, you've got Justin Jackson, you've got Keenan Allen, you've got Mike Williams, you've got Hunter Henry, and an outstanding defense. Tyrod Taylor is going to be the cheat code this year, and quoting it right now, like I've said on the good old boys, like I've said on a lot of things, win you the lead. No one can tell me otherwise, I'm going to hang my hat on and we'll talk about the end of the year. Tell me every reason why I'm wrong, guys. Please,
2: Tom. You can start. You forgot about the sixth overall pick in this
3: year's draft. I said Justin Herbert, and he's really good. I seen him hard knocks throwing targets with that's no errors. No he's really good. He's but gonna start maybe eight. He's maybe. a rookie. He doesn't have a connection with Anthony Lynn. I'm sorry.
2: The man dropped. He just
3: him sixth. Anthony Lynn just drafted him sixth. Yeah. Anthony Lynn. the future of the league. Doesn't matter what kind of. He didn't know about COVID. He He didn't know about a lot of things. You're going to risk your sixth overall pick, really?
2: I mean, in all, what what did uh, Tyrod start last year? Zero games. Started three games in Buffalo or in uh, Cleveland. Without
3: Anthony Lynn. He's only been successful with Lynn. That's it. Everybody else
2: by successful you mean throwing for 2800 yards 3000 yards 3000 yards yeah what is success he's i mean 20. it's 20 sure he he put up 5 4 or 500 rushing yards a season and you want to talk about the cheat code the cheat code was michael Vick, not tyrod taylor who's over 6 foot that sounds like a dating profile that, that there's a guy who's like oh i'm 6 foot he's 511
1: <laughs> Six
2: foot. Yeah. I can't judge. I'm 5'11 and a half. I'm not six foot.
7: <laughs> six foot on a low gravity. Yeah, day, yeah
2: right? exactly. But here's the thing it doesn't matter what Tyrod d- did in Buffalo if he put up 200 fantasy points in a season. If he's not going to start eight games, those 3,000 yards are going to turn into 1,500 yards, maybe 10 touchdowns, maybe.
4: So Chris, this is where I can see you being right. Right. So I'll, I'll play play some advocate here for you, but it has less to do with Tyrod Taylor and more to do with that chargers defense. The chargers defense has a lot of talent on it. They are a salty bunch that you could see them keeping low scoring games in there. Now, the plus is the tyrod he's a very efficient quarterback he doesn't turn the ball over they've got some pretty good weapons in the backfield to try and run the ball i could see him dumping off to austin eckler letting him do his thing as an offensive weapon they've got two really good receivers in keenan allen and mike williams so i could see i could see him getting a run this year if that defense is super salty and allows him to to kind of be a little bit more of a game manager because if the Chargers are in the running for it, like for a playoff spot, they're not going to go to the rookie and turn that over. If the Chargers get off to a slow start, though, and they start off, you know, two and two and four, something like that, they they're probably going to go to the rookie sooner than later to see what they've got towards the future. So, I. I could very easily see the same thing. And, in fact, I had a similar take back in the day when he was in Cleveland where if they got off to a slow start, Baker was going to be the guy sooner than later. If the Browns were competitive, they were going to stick with Tyrod for as long as they can. And that's where I think that that's going to come into play. I think the defense is going to hold Tyrod's future far more than Tyrod does.
3: So let's hope the Chargers pay their boy at linebacker because apparently he's been sitting out.
4: Yeah, Ingram, I I think, is is in the middle of a holdout right now.
3: Yeah, very scary. Billy, I saw you raise your hand. What you got on this guy?
5: Uh, Another thing to help Tyrod out is they they brought in uh, um, Brian Bulaga, an Iowa boy, shore up that offensive line, and Chris Harris on the defense is going to help out too. The AFC West is going to be competitive, and the Chargers have a legit shot at coming in second in that division. Uh, I don't expect the Raiders to be that good, and the Broncos – a lot of hype, but they're very young, and you know, we made twelve points throughout the show tonight. That that's not going to be very conducive for success for young guys. So uh, I think the Chargers could be a better team. And and to Derek's point, that bodes well for Tyrod holding on to that job for longer. Um, so I think Tyrod could do well. And this is his best cast uh, that he's had to play with, best weapons surrounding him. Don't forget him, Drew
4: Lock him. showing a lot of swag out there in camp.
5: Yeah, I'm a Drew, Drew Lock, Lock dude. Lock, dude. Yeah, he he's but swag more. AFC West is going to be a lot of fun football this year. Yeah, I the race think for the is going to be great.
3: happen in general. Yeah. Alex, I think you were trying to say something, but
7: you might yeah, have been Alex, on mute. The, 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 race, the race for second is going to be great in the AFC West. That is the
5: Chiefs division until further notice, which yeah, changed me. Yeah, yeah. It. I'm excited. I'm the home I'm, down. I think Denver could really put it together, but defense a little bit of a question mark, you know, especially on the back end and – a lot of throwing, but uh, there will be some fun football on the AFC West for sure. For sure. Guys, man, it's been super fun
3: with y'all tonight. I greatly appreciate the good old boys for stopping in with us and Thanks, guys. taking a little bit, coming in with us. We're definitely going to have to have all three of y'all back at some point during the season. Uh, I think that would really be really fun. Uh, but Ryan, you kick us off and we're just go down the road, man. Tell everyone what you're working on where they can find you on Twitter, and your, I guess, uh, a little tidbit.
6: All right. Well, I'm just finishing up my second 32 and 32. I'm releasing all the projections for all the teams. I think I've got five more to do. I just finished them up, actually, so they're all scheduled to go. Uh, The last five will be coming out in the next few days. And then – I mean, I always love to talk about the St. Jude belly up bowl, how awesome that's been, all the the divisions are doing. I'm doing write-ups for that every week as well. be making picks, talking smack, stuff like that. And then uh, I'm actually kind of in the middle of figuring out what I want to write about next as far as drafts are going to be done soon, and I need to stop talking about guys or values and start talking about trade values and guys I'm going to be targeting for playoff runs and things of that nature. So I'm really just going to be doing a lot of that, and I'll be active. I'm trying to be getting active on Twitter now. My work is slowed down a little bit, so I'll be. I want to engage in some conversations and give me y'all's takes or throw stuff at me because I want to bounce it back. Cause that's how I get. I sharpen my sword that way. I like to uh, bounce ideas back off people and listen to why you think a guy is good or not. So my Twitter is at real Ryan Hicks. You can find all my stuff, obviously at Belly Up, uh, and that's about it for me. Billy,
5: hey, follow me on Twitter at b24. Uh, be looking for us on Facebook too. We're going to be doing some interaction with uh with you guys out there listening and paying attention uh challenge our takes, see what you got let's talk football um most of my efforts been kind of focused on the belly of bull lately so kind of transitioning back to getting out of some of these drafts home league focus and uh hopefully have some content out for you guys here pretty soon so uh kind of like ryan said i'm all drafted out here look kind of looking forward to the season so i'm looking more at uh, roster construction and and uh matchups look forward to also and Got a new show we're going to be starting on Wednesday night with our own Nate Herman, Wizards of the Waiver Wire. So we're doing a lot of Thursday night kickoff talk, uh, some bold prediction stuff, uh, maybe have a guest talk about some spreads for Thursday night games and things like that. So it'll be a lot of fun. Check us out. And uh, good old boys, hey, guys, thanks. Appreciate you joining us. Absolutely.
3: Tom, you go next, man, and we'll let the good old boys kick us off at the end.
2: Fair enough. Uh, well, as always, you can follow me uh, at Belly Up Tom on Twitter, uh, as well as of course uh, at Belly Up Football. Uh, you know, we're ready for football season to get kicked off here. Get some news out there for you guys, and uh, kind of interact a little bit more uh, as we get into the season. So, just dropped our uh, Belly Up NFL Top 100. A uh, couple interesting names dropped on there. So, if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we got going on right now.
3: Love it, Tom, man. Obviously, uh, Tom is one of our favorites with our fans, and uh, he'll take it to the Cowboys all day, Coach Ayala. But, Alex, I mean, obviously love you guys for coming on. I love the good old boys. I mean, like I mentioned when I was on y'all's pod, I mean, I felt like I seriously made it when y'all invited me to come on because y'all have been doing this for a while. Y'all's pod is really, really good. I mean, I, I want everyone that listens to us to follow them. They're available on all sorts of your favorite pods. I mean, and they give really good analysis. And like I said, man, I felt like I made it when y'all invited me on. So y'all take it away right now and let everyone know where they can follow you at. All that good stuff.
4: Chris, uh, are you trying to give Mark Ingram y'all you know, run for his money on Hype Man yeah. of the Year? <laughs> hey, he's an SEC guy, man. Go Bama. <laughs> there we go. Yes. There you go. Big trust. Get them. (laughs) Big trust. I absolutely appreciate you guys having us on tonight. This was a blast and a lot of fun. Um, you guys definitely bring the takes and you definitely have some great analysis. So thank you for letting us be a part of it. We are very appreciative of that. Uh, you can follow us. We've uh, we've got the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, a YouTube channel. It's at good old boys FF uh, right now. We are releasing a ton of content through our YouTube channel. We've got a player profile a day, sometimes two or three a day coming out right now, trying to get everybody prepared and ready for their drafts. We've got uh full on, on uh you know draft season is upon us so that's what the pod has been focusing about starting last week and we're going to be bringing that all the way up until about the kickoff of the season guys what what else have we got going on
1: uh, i think we're going to go through we'll update player rankings here probably this week i think is what we're planning on doing um talking about some different drafting tiers, right? Especially, uh-huh. applies more to auction drafts than maybe redrafts in some instances. But, you know, how to tier out your draft and really understand where to get the most bang for your buck and, and value situations.
7: Yeah, I think we're going to talk uh, some draft strategies. We already had uh, one that we did this on our last episode where uh, we each kind of took a different strategy of um, how uh, to draft. draft
3: from... Uh... Uh what was the draft? FFCC? Is that correct?
4: Well, yeah, that was one that Kevin put together for us and did the draft on that, yeah. and he did a fantastic job. You can definitely check it out. We've got it posted on all the socials. Let us know how we did. Um running
3: back heavy real quick, Derek?
4: That was me.
7: Yeah,
4: went terribly. Terribly.
7: We're going to go through a few different drafting strategies for a few different types of drafts. So, um There'll be some interesting ways of how we go about doing what we do um, when we get into uh, to draft season. Of course, we've got, you know, our home league draft is coming up here soon. So I think we're all looking forward to that so we can start, you know, actually talking smack instead of just talking smack on a podcast.
3: <laughs> I mean, that's always the best, man. You'd rather talk smack to the guys that you talk to and text message every day versus the guys that you see like on podcasts and stuff like that. I'm going to talk a lot smack, Tom. Don't worry. Me and Marco are in a league, and he's never beaten me. So,
2: <laughs> I mean, that doesn't surprise me from his thoughts here.
3: <laughs> That's
7: fair, man. Leo and
2: her starting. You have, sorry, you have
7: the rainbow man. wig and the red nose to put on. Their-
3: <laughs> Reminds
2: me of Antonio Brown.
7: Yeah, uh,
3: Marco, did you drop Antonio Brown? <laughs> oh, damn! You to cut that up. I'm sorry. That's fair, but. We'll close it out, guys. I love you for watching us, Marco, Scott, all of you guys that have been following us. I appreciate the good old boys, Alex, Kevin, and Derek, for being on with on with us tonight. Ryan, Dully, Tom, Dully Up Fantasy. We're going to do it big this season. So let's move on forward from everything that we've been dealing with. And we'll say hi, bye, thank you. We'll see you next week on Tuesday. That was Belly
0: Up Fantasy Live, guys. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Fantasy Live. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.